Mr. Fabulous. How marvelous it is to see you. You're looking younger than ever. Wait, you guys can't come in here. <laughs> Nonsense, my dear fellow. My brother and I have come to dine to celebrate my early release from the service of the state. Come, Elwood. Let us adjourn ourselves to the nearest table and overlook this establishment's board of fare. Give us a bottle of your finest champagne, five shrimp cocktails, and some bread for my brother. We have a Dom Perignon, 71 at $120. That'll be fine, pal. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? What? Your women. I, I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Mater D. Mater D. Uh. Cut it out. Cut it out. going to ask me to call the cops. We're putting the band back together. I said no. Absolutely not. You. How much for your wife? <laughs> putting the band back together. We need you, man. We need your horn. I can't. I really can't. We got everybody except Matt, Guitar, Murphy, and Blue Lou, and we're getting them next. No way. If you say no, Elwood and I will come here for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week. Okay, okay, I'll play. You got me. Sir. 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 Sir! And good morning to you. It is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of March, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for coming by and joining us on this Monday morning. Uh, it is uh, Monday, March 30th, 2009. Welcome to Day 12. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-733-2. 970, if you would like to be part of the program telephonically speaking today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to uh, weigh in with whatever's on your mind on this Monday morning. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Richie with a T at kufo. Dot com. Uh, coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who loves his life every single day that he's in Fargo. Every single moment, he becomes more and more and more appreciative of the opportunity to visit North Dakota, where it is apparently 600 degrees below zero and there's 75 feet of snow. Also, I had two other people send me a little, uh, uh, like a screen capture of Steve on CNN television, where he's they've got him down at like a general store interviewing a guy who's... Not even whittling a stick because it's too cold to sit on the front porch and whittle anything. Sort of sitting inside around a potbelly stove talking about pork crackling or whatever whatever it is they do there. Anyway, uh, we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum who's there where things are either getting worse or they're the same or they're better. I don't really know. 
kind of depends. They think it's moment to moment. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Dick Giuliano about General Motors, where I guess they told their... Was it their CEO? The CEO, yeah. Yeah, they told him to get bent. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't use exactly that language. I think they said please, and then they just kicked him out. So, so that's fantastic. Uh, we'll have today's top five as the five worst number one songs in American history. That is, in my estimation, it's a sort of counterbalance Aaron Duran's list from Friday, which I thought was largely, if not wholly, inaccurate. Uh, so today I'll be doing my own assessment of this list. These are the top five worst songs ever to go to number one on the American charts. Uh, Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian will be joining us today. Uh, she's the pop culture writer for The Oregonian and the sort of overseer slash maven of, of the A&E. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, the box office. So I guess the Monsters vs. Aliens film, which I didn't see. I kind of million. million. Really? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, but it's got that kid thing. So it's like you not only get... You not only get probably 30% of the film going adults, because it kind of has sort of that Pixar vibe going on in some sort of substandard way. But it's got everybody, if you have any kids, it's like you're just sort of required. You don't even really have any free choice about it. It's like when that SpongeBob movie came out. I was I was at Lloyd Center, I think just by sheer coincidence, I think it was at the Lloyd Center Mall, the weekend that the SpongeBob SquarePants movie came out. And everywhere, it was like this sort of Dawn of the Dead, but like with animals. You just saw parents just sort of, I have no independent thought. I am wandering to the theater to see SpongeBob. And they kind of had the glazed over sort of, you know, like like it wasn't even really a conscious choice. It was like they were just sort of being drawn there by a force greater than themselves. Not unlike at the uh, climax of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, uh, Christy Turnquist will weigh in about the films later on in the hour. Uh, Actually, later on next hour. Uh, We will... Oh, and I've got another terrible air check to play. So, last Friday... We were playing just sort of some air checks from various radio stations where we all here on the program had worked in the past uh, because uh, Sarah Dillon had worked at Alternative uh, Radio, KNRK, a while back. Yes, indeed. And Tim Riley had worked at Hay in Pasadena, among other places. And then I myself had done any number of, uh, any number of not even bad radio formats. It was just radio formats that I'd done badly. And it turns out it's actually not just confined here to the studio. So our good friend Bridget from upstairs, who creates and maintains all of the uh, the websites and does all of the on, she's sort of the, the, the overseer of all the online stuff for CBS Radio. She apparently went through a phase where she had to be, I don't even know if I want to give it away, but she was a traffic person in Spokane, Washington. Because I guess it's, you know, she'd gotten, I think she'd gotten into the radio and that was one of the first gigs she'd had. And it was like when you first walk into a radio station, you just kind of do whatever they tell you to do. You don't really have much choice about it. You know, you kind of just take whatever, you know, whatever opening is available. So she was doing traffic in Spokane. I mean, it's just like layers and layers of hell. And they gave her, I had always just used this as a joke, but they actually gave her the worst name I think I've ever heard for a traffic person. It's so much worse than like Lucy in the Sky with traffic. It's so much it, more it's demeaning. You turn Laverne, is it's it? It's not you turn Laverne. Because every station have one of that. I almost maybe I'll give the name away before before we're done with this segment, but I'll play the air check later on. And it's just it's bad, man. Not that she's bad. She's actually okay. But it's like you're sort of working within the confines of the format, and you're talking to a guy who says, "Hey, a lot of things like this. Let's take a look at the traffic." And you can hear on the other end of the phone that she's just sitting there wishing she was dead. So, anyway, so we'll play that. Uh, an air check from our friend uh, Bridget from upstairs. We'll get that later on. Uh, Clergy Watch coming up today. Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Lisa Lampanelli at the Newmark. Uh, I think she's going to be here it's, uh, mid-April, something like that. I don't really know. But they're free, and so you'll try to get them anyway. It's just the way it works. It's part of the human imperative, my friends. 
It's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday. So Obama gives the uh, GM of uh, the CEO of GM the boot and halts the bailout for the terminally troubled domestic auto industry. Joe Biden's daughter allegedly snorts cocaine on video. 2000 lineup at the Lloyd Center Doubletree to be extras in the new Brandon Fraser Harrison Ford film shooting here. Is that what that was about? Yes. Okay, because you know 2000 I... to make 68 bucks. It's just it's great and sad uh-huh. all at once. I drove by that yesterday and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was at the uh, I was at the stoplight, which is right at the corner of whatever and whatever, outside of the Lloyd Mall. It's sort of like when you drive by the Mac store, and then it's just like if you're heading, whatever the hell direction that is. If you're heading east on Multnomah, and there's the huge line, and there's a stoplight right there, just as if you were going to go into the mall at the, like the Toys R Us entrance to the mall there. Mm-hmm. And I was there, and we were like, it was uh, me and Laura and some of her friends, and we, I'm looking at these thousands of jackasses. And I was thinking, like, what are these people doing? And I almost rolled down the window to ask, but I just realized I just didn't care that much, and I didn't want to interact, with, you know, with any of them. So I just, I, I just assumed it was American Idol because it was just a bunch of nitwits standing in the sun. Yeah, I mean, you can tell the economy is bad. People say, you know, I have nothing else going for it. Perhaps I'll become a Hollywood star. <laughs> Basically, that's the way of thinking. That's and, their final and, alternative. Yep, and maybe it's true. A new business finally opens to stimulate the downtown economy. At the same time, the owner of the new Swingers Club promises it won't be a sea of nudity. Another big cigarette tax to benefit children goes into effect Wednesday, and cigars will be taxed at 40 cents apiece. Uh, is it ShamWow or ShamY? As the new infomercial star is busted for giving a hooker two black eyes after she allegedly bit his tongue. The lesson here, never kiss a hooker on the lips. You're going to love my nuts. What? We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. Yeah, I, I, we were talking about this earlier, but I had about 100 people send me that ShamWow story. That ShamWow yeah. thing is the best story. That is, I, in fact, I think, I think I actually went ahead and put it up on my blog. I was sort of teasing it this weekend. So first and foremost, we want to thank everybody who sent us the Slap Shop story. Uh, yeah, it's at Everyone who lives in the state of Oregon. I, I actually had to stop responding to people at a certain point just because I'm kind of behind on my email anyway. So if you've emailed me recently and you haven't heard back, uh, you know, as we always say, I, I read all the emails. I, I try to get most of it responded to, but it just sometimes it doesn't. You know, it takes me forever. But I had to just stop answering email this weekend because every every probably third email, maybe probably half the emails on Saturday, were all sending me this mugshot of the ShamWow guy, who I guess, and this is some time ago, like it wasn't recently. It was he's, like a month ago. He's putting a beat down on some hooker somewhere. Was it in Florida? Florida, yeah. That's great. Of course. And. So I, I, his mugshot is up at rickemerson.com, and it links right through to the smoking gun thing. And I guess just a while back, I guess TMZ has a picture of the hooker herself. Yeah. And you were saying that they're black eyes, but they're really more just like these blood red eyes. It's all bad. It's bad. It's yeah. really creepy looking. It really is. And he doesn't look, I mean, he looks like he's wearing hospital pajamas, first of all, and then like a That's bad... That's what I was just looking at. But, but, you know, what's more American than squandering your wealth on hookers? <laughs> Nothing, Tim. Nothing at all. All right. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I had a jam-packed weekend and got a bunch of sleep last night. So you seem bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. How many, how many hours of sleep did you get? Six. Six? Well, like five, five and a half. Excellent. I went to bed at 10 and then fell asleep by like 10.30. Uh, good for you. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. How yep. was the punk show last night with uh, was, Lisa Wood? It was fun. Yeah, I had a like crazy weekend. Went and saw uh, OK Go, 
on Friday, which was an interesting. Okay, one. go! Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were still together. They, they uh, oh, they did that thing. The they did that, they did that uh, awesome treadmill video. The, yeah, the the treadmill stairmaster thing or whatever it was a while back. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I oh. did that, and then um, got a call from Chris Paddock, our esteemed program director. He's like, "What are you doing? I have some fancy record um, rep in town." So then I ended up going out to uh, the Fez and going dancing with Chris Paddock and his friend, which was the most random thing. Is Chris I never Paddock do that. a good dancer? It doesn't was hilarious. He, doesn't he look like a, a good dancer, Tim? I don't know. Would he be like a good contestant on Dancing with the Stars? I would say if you were to, to do a visual assessment of Chris Paddock just as a person, the the phrase that would immediately leap to mind is rhythmic. All right. He was an entertaining dancer. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, and also uh, soapbox derby signups for um, this weekend. And we got in. Now, is there everybody? Is there a cutoff point? Is there ever oh, a risk yeah. that you're not going to get in? No, I remember last year because uh, the sign-up. Oh, you were like second to last or something. Yeah, last and year. I got there at three thirty in the morning last year, and sign-ups don't start until seven. So you have to like basically stand out in the freezing cold, you know, waiting to sign up for the soapbox derby. Yeah, so the cutoff person last year was like the person right behind us. Oh, how did your interview with the guy from Bad Brains go? Awesome. Really? Because I know you were kind of you were a little uh, nervous about it. There was some anxiety because I guess he can just be a, a, a dick. No, I think he's medicated now. Really? Yeah, he was like. Fantastic. Super calm and uh, just really, really nice. Excellent. As he should be. Well, I mean, as, as he should. Be. Because I mean, he's kind of a he's kind of a big deal. But I, you know, you hear those sometimes, like especially those guys who, anybody who got famous in the first wave of something, sometimes they're just such such bastards when mm. you interview them because they're just because they just sit around because. It, it, a lot of times the guys who get in on the ground floor of anything, whether it's movies or whether it's a certain kind of music, they're never the ones who make any of the money on it. It's always the guys who come 15 years later. So they just sit there and they just become seethingly angry about everything uh, because they just turn on. And every time they turn on the television, they see Green Day making $5 billion. And then they just they they do nothing but sit at home drinking uh, rot gut booze and becoming angry. And so then you try to interview them and they just come out of the gate as just, just full-on SOBs. No, he so. had like the coolest stories. He was talking about how... You know, he used to hang with the Clash and uh, Sex Pistols and stuff, and um, and how he basically introduced Henry Rollins to Black Flag. Yeah, he's the one who got him in there. I'm, I was just like, it was just crazy to hear him. And he's talking about like Ian McKay, like it's like, oh yeah, and Ian and I. I'm just like, really, yeah. really. No, he's one of those. Come on now. See, that's it's like when we were talking to what's his name, Todd Tolsis, who was talking. Well, and I was hanging out one night with Alice Cooper at the Roxy, or you know. So that's and the older you get, the more stories you have like that, where you realize that while you were doing blah 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 blah. There was somebody else who was living a much more exciting life than you were. Yeah. So, oh, well, how was your weekend? Hey, speaking of exciting, I know we've been talking a lot about The Room lately. So, And The Room is a terrible film, no doubt about it. But boy, god damn, I just saw one of the worst films that's ever been made this weekend. What's that? What, I saw. I watched The Happening with Mark Wahlberg. The one with the plants turn against people. It was over. like being kicked. It, it was like being kicked in the smart over and over and over and over and over and over and over again for almost two hours. I mean, and the room is bad. Let's have no illusions about that. It's awful. But I mean, there's nobody who can actually act in the room. And it's not written, and it's written and directed by an incompetent. Like, The Happening has John Leguizamo, who's an incredibly skilled actor. It's got Zoe Deschanel or Deschanel or whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. It's got Mark Wahlberg, who can act at least sometimes. And it's written and directed by the Sixth Sense guy, and he did Unbreakable. So you know, it's like he can occasionally make a good film. Boy, that's one of the worst films I have ever seen. I, Does I, it feature a long scene when Mark Wahlberg's like intimidated by a plant? He's talking to a plant. I can't remember the last major studio film I saw. And I know it's a little bit of old news because it came out last year. But I finally just saw I can't remember the last major studio film I saw that was as bad as The Happening. It was cringe. It's like you were so embarrassed for everyone involved. Just everyone. It was, it was, and Mark Wahlberg does the entire film, all two hours, with his eyebrows arched. And answering and ending all of his sentences like he's really confused. 
and he just he ends everything in a kind of an upward tick, like he doesn't quite know what's going on. Yeah, and everything ends with this weird sort of not too bright upward inflection, like he's just sort of puzzled by everything that's going on. It's just it's so bad. It's All right, so, so do I have to see it? Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> yes, yes. You do. It's so irredeemably bad. I mean, it it almost seems. Like when you, it's like when you listen to a demo version of a later well-produced song. It's almost like a demo version of a movie. It's like they did a quick run-through of the entire thing on camera just to kind of get a sense of where everybody should stand when they actually film it for real. It's just terrible. Um, and then uh, I, we'll talk more about this later, but I, um, I went to the, uh, to the Lego convention yesterday, which is at the Portland Convention Center for the adult fans of Lego. Kelly Clark was talking about that on Friday. Mm-hmm. That was astounding. Met a lot of listeners there, by the way, not surprisingly, uh, all of whom were uh, the shiny guy. They were all voice number three. We're talking about this. I made a giant replica of a Cylon Raider from the original Battlestar Galactica. And then also, um, I also made a scale model of, um, of the planet Caprica. So I met th- these, gu- these guys who made these, like, 55,000-piece Lego uh, creations that were, like, six feet high. It was just unreal. Um, so we'll uh, so we'll talk more about that, and then I hold final thing is a tease. I hold here in my hands a description of an utterly awful television program that made its debut tomorrow on Fox. Chris Paddock sent this to me, with and and all he said is this looks uh, he said this looks like the worst thing ever, and it does indeed. So when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. What is the worst thing ever? It premieres tomorrow on Fox. Steve Kastenbaum from Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, just ahead, Tim Nothing Riley really with headlines. I'm sorry? Nothing really happened there over the weekend. No, but they had a little flooding. It wasn't too bad. The only thing that's really happening is that every day he's disliking that place more and more and more. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just he's a big city guy, and I think he's itching to get back home to Manhattan. So uh, we'll talk to Steve Dicciuliano coming up later on. Your phone calls and more. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUF. That's fantastic. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come this hour, news with Tim Riley. Later on, Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Dick Uliano about the uh, the guy at GM who I guess uh, got told to pack his things and be gone by the end of the day, which is fantastic. We'll do the uh, top five, five worst number one songs in American history, uh, and we'll play an embarrassing air check by somebody who is not uh, named Rick Timmersera. So that's coming up. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from his new home, Fargo, <laughs> North Dakota. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who loves his life more every day. Hello, sir. I've already been invited back to go hunting uh, in the spring and summer. <laughs> Do you feel like you're um, like you're Bill Murray and you're you're in Punxsutawney? Absolutely, because the story uh, really hasn't changed much now no. <laughs> over the last day or two. They've gone into monitoring mode here, so you know the river's gone down about a, a foot and a half since it crested, but you know only only in Fargo. Would this be happening? We've got a major snowstorm heading this way again. Of course. Well, yeah. because uh, because God doesn't want you to leave. He wants you to stay there forever, Steve. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So they're not worried about the snow causing more flooding because the temperature will stay in or around freezing, uh, below or around freezing. So there won't be a lot of runoff, but they're really concerned about the winds pushing the water up against the sandbag dikes. I think they're just saying that to keep us all here. Uh, just nothing but good news for you. Yeah. I mean, there's going to snow, but at least it's so cold that it's not going to melt. Um, <laughs> by the way, so Steve and I were emailing on, was it Friday night? It's uh, The whole weekend is just a blur to me. This yeah, point, I but think I, it was Friday. I, Steve and I were uh, emailing a little bit on Friday because uh, our uh, a couple of our listeners, uh, our friend Todd specifically had emailed us, a good friend of the show, Todd had emailed, and he said, 
He forwarded me a story about a CNN reporter who got arrested in Fargo, yeah. and they didn't give the guy's name. It was just like CNN reporter arrested for blocking, you know, for standing on top of Dyke and getting in the way of the police or whatever. And they didn't say who it was, and so we all just immediately assumed it was you, I guess. You know, everywhere you go now in this in this city, if you're holding a CNN mic flag, are you the guy who got arrested? Yeah. So, but it wasn't you, right? It was some some other guy. It wasn't me. Uh, apparently, it was a total misunderstanding. The poor guy uh, literally got got off the plane and went right to work. And, uh, you know, didn't know what the ground rules were here. So there was a little misunderstanding. All right. So at least, you know, because that would really, depending on who you are, that would either be the best or worst way for you to end this whole adventure is just to be end up shackled and thrown into the, the Fargo jail, which doesn't seem like a, probably a very happening place. Although then I would fee- really feel like I was in the movie Fargo. Yeah. That would, that would be cool. I mean, you know, the, the people here are, really are, um, they, they really should be commended. I mean, and they are incredible how much they've gone all out here to battle back this river, because if you think in 1997 they had a record flood that was two feet uh, lower than this one, and it inundated uh, the area with water. So this time they went all out to battle back the river, and, and the volunteers came from uh, near and far to do that, and I think they've, they've created well over three million sandbags total now. Well, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, at the risk of sounding corny, it does really seem like it kind of it was a community deal, that everybody sort of, everybody kind of, you know, they had that... Uh, they had that Helm's Deep speech from Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, or the, or the uh, you know, the line must be drawn here and no further. And everybody came together and, you know, you and you were talking about those guys who I guess the man had told them to get out, but they they, said they were going to stick it out. They were going to stay, uh, stay there and they weren't going to they weren't going to leave. They're my new best friends. <laughs> well, of course. Well, of course. You know, I mean, because it's, you've been through a bonding experience. Just, I went over there on Sunday and I was hanging out with them for a couple of hours. It's just like in Band of Brothers, Steve. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are going to have to get back together every 10 years and have a barbecue <laughs> and remember this. I really hope to go over there later because uh, they're they're in that no man's land between a giant 10 foot tall secondary or contingency dike as they call it and the primary dike the the city basically went uh, along the first street after the homes that uh, have property against the river and put up a secondary dike in case the primary one fails so you're you're literally like living in the warsaw warsaw ghetto it's like a in between those two walls it's like a demilitarized uh, zone but with uh, but with accents yeah, exactly. So I went back there on Sunday to hang out with him. The poor guy, you know, they thought they had to get out in an emergency. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody gave them some misinformation. And so he and his friends uh, in, in 20 or 25 minutes literally carried all of the furniture from their first floor up to the second floor. And in the process, they dropped the couch on his toe. Ah. And so they, they had to rush him to an emergency room. And the poor guy, that he's put his foot up in the air. They pulled his big toenail off. Here, oh, thanks. Thanks for that image. Hey, here's a, real quickly, here's a dumb question. So you get this uh, flooding where it's like, you know, they're showing the, the, the houses where the, the flooding is up to the windows or the whatever. How long does that take to... I mean, if it's frozen, how long does that take to soak into the ground or evaporate or whatever? Well, normally, you know, normally this would be receding uh, much more quickly, but there's so much water, so much runoff. And then further north, when you get up into Canada, the, the river is still frozen in a lot of areas. So it really has no kind of nowhere to go. The flow beneath the ice is really slow right now. So uh, if the weather was warmer further north, a lot of this would have um, passed through uh, now. But uh, so far, we're only down a foot and a half. So uh it's hard to say. I mean, you know, I've watched it on a sunny day here, and a lot of the snow actually starts to evaporate. You can see the the vapors on on the ground. You ever, you ever see that when when the, it gets down to like the the blacktop of the street and you yeah. start to see smoke? Yeah. Hey, uh, re- real quickly, if you were to do the uh, the Vegas line, like the over under on how many more days you're going to be there, what would it be? <laughs> more or less than three? It's hard to say. E- either either uh, either today's the day because tomorrow it's going to snow a lot, and uh, my chance of getting out of here tomorrow would be would be limited. <laughs> uh, or I'm here till uh, till Wednesday or or, or Thursday. I don't know. Like that, oh. uh, 
Like what? another Bill Murray movie. It's going to be like that movie Quick Change, where you're just trying to get out of town on the last plane. <laughs> you know, the Fargo airport closes at a certain point. Do you know that? Now, you I was get... going to ask you about that, because you've been here. Does, the, I, I would presume that Fargo's airport is one of the better airports when it comes to staying open in the snow. Uh, it, well, staying open in the snow, yes. But I will tell you that when I, uh, the, when I flew to Fargo uh, some years back, I landed there, and there was a big misunderstanding with me and, and the station. I was there to do a, a, like a live radio thing. And the station was supposed to send a car to pick me up, take me to the hotel. And there was a mix-up, mix and it didn't happen. And so I'm standing in the airport kind of trying to figure out who to call, and I didn't have the number for the radio station or whatever. And meanwhile, I see lights going off everywhere, like, <laughs> and I'm like, what, what the hell? And I asked a guy pushing a broom. I'm like, so, Smitty, what, what's going on here? And he goes, well, closing the airport. And I said, what do you mean, for like a, an evacuation? He goes, nope, just time to go home. And it's like they just turned the airport <laughs> off. They just closed it. They turned off all the lights. They locked it up, and the airport was closed for the night. Oh, geez. So, yeah. So have Did fun. they give you the key to let yourself out? No, I had to stand outside, and it was like four degrees uh, oh, waiting for a taxi. So that was a lot of fun. So look forward to that, sir. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the one thing I should mention is it's really not just Fargo that's that's dealing with the battle, like, uh, battling the waters here. There's Moorhead right across the river in Minnesota and a lot of other communities, both in Minnesota and, uh, and in North Dakota. And I, I feel like it's really important to mention that uh, it's not just Fargo, but a lot of folks here. It is a, it is a hardy people. Uh, there are hardy people far and wide, sir. Yes. All right. Well, I uh, hope you get out tomorrow. If not, we'll talk to you uh, again and again and again. I'm trying to figure out if I should just, you know, I'm sort of like halfway there. I should just come to you guys instead of going back to New York. Hey, you know, that's uh, you, get, you get no argument from me. Well, yeah. I'll let you know what happens. All right. Thank you, Steve. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum in Fargo, North Dakota. That's wonderful. Hello, Tim Riley. So the most damage so far is the guy losing a toenail. Yeah, uh, I could have done without hearing that, but apparently, so uh, I guess the deal is that there was this, as there always is, anytime there's any sort of a natural disaster, there's always uh, like the four codgers who won't leave, you know, there's, I, I'm going to stay here until I, you know, and then the wave of lava comes through and, you know, and reduces them all to ash. But that's because they, this is before your time in the Northwest. But if you live in the Northwest at all, you will, many people were here for this or you will hear about it. The Northwest version of that is this guy, Harry Truman. Uh, and Harry Truman was a guy who lived right next to Mount St. Helens. Oh, I remember that story. Yeah, and he's like the 90-year-old guy. I refused. I was, you know, and then immediately sort of the, uh, the mud flow comes along. It just buries his house. But Harry Truman lived in this tiny little cabin at the base of Mount St. Helens. And, the, you know, the, the authorities kept coming to try to, uh, to kick him out. And he says, Dad, come on, I'm not leaving no how or whatever. You know, that's how I, in my head I imagine he speaks. And he kept insisting that he was going to stay there and he was going to be fine. And I don't think he actually said he was going to be fine in his defense. He just said, like, I'm 90 years old. Screw it. And so sure enough, he was there. And then as soon as Mount St. Helens erupted, it was just this massive, like, boiling mud flow uh, that just uh, completely obliterated his house, which is kind of a cool way to go out. I mean, really, if you're 90, if you're going to die, you know, why not? Tim Riley's working on the following headlines for you on this uh, Monday. So the headlines are Portland firefighters spend part of Sunday rescuing a man stuck in a tree. Mad Salem teenagers are stealing mad dog liquor. Doctors remove a six-inch spear from a man's brain. Another role model is disgraced in a truly American story. The sham wow guy squanders his infomercial <laughs> fame on a hooker who bites his tongue. Perez Hilton celebrates his 31st birthday at the Viper Room. That's a lie. He is not 31. He is, that is so not 31. That's, that's, a, that's an he untruth. He is beloved, according to the story. Uh-huh. Oh, a topless review closes in Vegas after a 49-year run. Yeah. And I've stayed I've stayed at the Tropicana on numerous occasions and never saw that show. I was just going to ask if it was the that Tropicana. That billboard's been up forever. Wow. The Tropicana's not where um, 
Where was Showgirls? Where did that take place? Was that a fake uh, casino, uh, you know, or fake, you know, remember. place? I got a foot fungus when they saved the Tropicana. <laughs> Ew. I swear to God, like for for three of those four syllables, it sounded like you were going to say foot fetish, and then it ended up with not so much a. Well, you don't have to go to Vegas for that. An issue as a gus. What? No, you don't have to go to Vegas. Uh, you can you can get that right here, Tim. I mean, not in this. You, you should never walk around the Vegas swimming pool without flip flops. Oh God, no! I, I, I learned so. I learned a very valuable lesson. Oh no! Like a dorm room shower. Mm-hmm. I'd soak your feet in bleach after that. No, thank you, thank you, no. But I made the mistake of not wearing flip flops once. At the uh, Tropicana pool, end up with a food like, Well, people don't want to hear it. Just at home having to give yourself, like, using that corn remover or whatever. Use, going home using the pedicure or whatever. Not the pedicure. What is that thing? Pet-a-pod? The pet egg? No, no, no. The, the pet egg. No, the petty pause is for animals, Tim. The, <laughs> I mean, not I the, get all these infomercials mixed up. Dude, I, I, I do, I'm familiar with the ShamWow guy. I, you, know, but the, you know, the ShamWow guy, but I think overlooked at all this is the fact that he's the slap chop guy as well. And I think that's where the, um, wait, hold on, Sham. Sham, wow, sham. See, because in my mind's eye, it's like him and the hooker punching each other. But there's sham a big pow. She, yeah, but with the big Batman graphic, sham pow. Well, she couldn't punch back because she was biting his tongue. I don't think you can bite tongues and, and hit back at the same time. If you're now, a hooker, she of course you could. If you're a hooker, I would think that all the parts of your body probably operate independently. You can probably multitask. Well, I guess the hooker didn't want to be French kissed. Yeah, who really? tries to French kiss Is a hooker? Is that the actual reason? Well, basic. Uh, I mean, if you put two and two together, what was the tongue? Doing in her mouth. What what was the ShamWow guys doing, tongue doing in her mouth? Well, I, well okay, well, that's a, I guess that's a fair question. Um, I just... You're going to love my nuts. Do you even know what the soundbite is from, Tim, that I'm playing here? No, I don't. Um, okay, well... Uh, we Not that it matters. Uh, we, we don't have time to do it here, but just ahead, I'll actually... Tim, just ahead, I'll explain to you where this sound is from. You're going to love my nuts. It's quite something. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is Monday, March 29th. Or is it? Is it the 29th? The 30th. Right. It's the 30th. Damn. Trying to be all smooth there and hitting the post and everything. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I have to take this bed out of here because it just becomes the whole bed just becomes one ongoing post hitting contest for me, and nobody cares about that. I kind of like it. I like this bed too. Okay, well, never mind. I'll keep it then. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So at our worst, gets second to three. Really? You probably think it's a Annie Youngman joke. Yes. But it happened in Felony Flats, of all places. A man was pinned about 40 feet in a tree. The arborist was taken to OHSU for arm injuries. He was cutting a tree around uh, southeast Tonino when a large limb fell on him, struck him in the shoulder, pinned his harness, and left his arm almost attached to the tree. He was conscious and was talking to firefighters. They used a 100-foot aerial ladder mounted on a ladder track to reach him, and it took about 90 minutes. But what some people are pointing out, there was a picture of him posted on the K2 website, mm-hmm. and they noticed this arborist was wearing sneakers, and they say arborists are supposed to be wearing boots. Um, okay, I've got uh, three things to say about this. One, the arborist sounds like the name of the worst superhero in, in the whole world, like the, like the dullest crime fighter. You know, I behold, evil, I am the arborist. And then all he would really do is, like, he'd give he you... He has an olive branch stuck in his ear. <laughs> he'd just give you Dutch elm disease. You, he'd just infect you with gypsy moths or something. Um, two... 
Felony Flats. Where did I read the other day that there was some, like some, it was some city document the other day that actually referred to it as Felony Flats. I forget. Well, that's wh- to make it clear to everybody. I forget it. I forget where it was, but there was some document. There was somebody forwarded me something from like the courthouse or from city hall or something. But it was something from Multnomah County, and they were actually describing that area as Felony Flats. Maybe they're is, putting new signs up to, it's to welcome just, people to the area. Welcome to glorious Felony Flats. <laughs> uh, the you know, which is it's always interesting when people finally just embrace. It's like in Boston, there's that place called the Combat Zone. The combat Zone, Been yeah, many times. And you know what's odd is how like you'll hear the actual city, the city fathers of Boston talk about that. They'll say, well, uh, you know, the problems, for example, in the city's Combat Zone. So what does it say to you when the government of a city actually refers to it with that name? I mean, there are big barriers to warn you going in and out. Yeah. It's just a nasty light, red light district. And the worst part about that is also right when you enter it. Is Filene's basement. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of ladies going to these no. big white sales in this basement. So all you know, the upper class of ladies are shopping at this basement store to save in the middle of the combat in zone. In the middle of the combat zone. When the city begins referring to something as a combat zone, that just means that is like an abandon all hope, ye who enter here kind of a thing. They've It's a, it's a great place to go every once in a while. It's like there was a, there was a section of, when I was going to school, there was a, in high school, there was a section of the parking lot. For, there was a section of the parking lot for jocks, and there was a section of the parking lot for everybody else. And there, on the other end, like on the opposite end of the parking lot from the jocks, there was this section of parking lot where it was just known that all the metal burnout dirtbag guys hung out and just would just sit there and listen to Molly Hatchet records to get high. And it was just called Stoner Lot. And everybody, even the teachers referred to it as that, up to and including the administrator, would just call it Stoner Lot. And in retrospect, that's sort of odd. I mean, again, that's just sort of a... Then they realized there was just nothing they could do for any of us. They they just given up. I mean, that's you know they were just washing their hands of the whole deal. Why why pretend? Why gild the lily? Uh, thirdly, so the arborist guy gets pinned in a tree, mm-hmm. and I always hope in these stories that it ends with him having to cut his own arm off with a pocket knife. And I'm why? Kinda, because that's exciting. Not in this case, he was rescued like a cat. Well, I'm kind of. You're kind of sad he didn't have to cut his own arm off. Rescued like a common kitten. Well, because at least that would be manly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I guess, the, uh, fine, he's still got two arms, but I'm denied entertainment. Well, what can you do? What is the actual geographic boundary of felony flats? Anyone? I thought it was anything past, like, 82nd. Yeah. Is it? It's 82nd to, like, I think forever? it's 82nd to Gresham. Mm-hmm. 82nd to Gresham. I, I'm going to form a band just so I can call <laughs> the dude. 82nd to Gresham, our debut record, will be out on... Try putting it into your GPS and see what you get. <laughs> second to Gresham. Maybe my Double GPS is just got... No, no, please. Please don't make me drive there. Please, no. All right, left turn ahead. One mile. Please, no, God. 82nd 80 second to Gresham. That's Maybe that's where we should have our next list. 80, 80, 82nd to Gresham is like... That's like 30 seconds over Weren't Tokyo. Were you knocking on doors over there? Yes. <laughs> Somebody threatened you? Yes. Uh, about About two years ago now. Uh, I guess it's kind of been almost two years. So when we were on AM 970, which is our sister station. So the master plan was to get listeners in Felony Flats. Well, here was the deal, Tim. Is Instead of the, the West Hills. The deal is that for the Rick Emerson show, again, when we were on uh, when we were on 970, we were trying to, uh, to recruit new listeners and then thank the listeners we already had. And so this um, woman who worked here on the street team, Terry and I, we would go out uh, every Wednesday for like two hours. And you know that we have this, uh, you know, the the uh, sort of the, the listener club, the whatever you want to call it, the the conglomeration, the the, um, the congregation conglomeration uh, of listeners, the uh, you know the glorious bastards who have now migrated over to uh, to Rock 101, and so we would kind of 
go into the computer and we would find the you know the addresses of people who you know who we knew listened to the show when they'd signed up they give their address and so we would go by on a Wednesday and we'd like knock on the door and thank them for listening and then while we were there we would sort of uh, knock on the doors of their neighbors too to attempt to recruit new listeners because Rick Emerson was all about uh, all about giving uh, because it's because uh, radio is a retail business Tim not wholesale mm-hmm. and so this one time we had to go to 82nd and by the way when I say one time it was one time one time only we never went back. Because we were there, because we had a you listener. You were told not to return by the people who lived there. We had a listener who lived on this block of 82nd, and we went up and we knocked on the house, on the door, and he well, he wasn't home, and so we thought, well, while we're here, why don't we why don't we talk to these houses on either side of this fine gentleman and ask them if they listen to the Rick Emerson show? And Terry and I went up and we knocked on this door of the house in 82nd. I swear to God, the guy opens the door and he goes, "What do you want?" We said, "Uh." Hello, I'm from CBS Radio. I'd like you to listen to my... And the guy actually just said... I don't even think he actually said, what do you want? I think that was the second thing. The first thing out of his mouth was, standing on my porch is a good way to get shot. That was the first thing he said. And then I was like, well, what do you want? And we finally, we just F this. And we just ran back to the station vehicle and just drove away and we never went back. Boy, you know, and now that we've... Now that we're not on a... Now that we're not, I guess now that it doesn't matter, because I could have told this story anyway. I was going to say, now that we're not on 970, I could tell the story, but it didn't really matter, because these people weren't listeners. I have another story, let's see, that, that I'll tell here in a bit. Well, I don't have time here, but I'll, I'll tell it I'll tell it later on. I'm going to pile these stories together. Oh, Richie, by the way, is saying Felony Flats is 82nd down to 52nd, Foster it's to ex- Sunnyside. No, that's It's expanding. No, Felony it's Flats growing. is, is yeah. past 82nd. But he's saying it's 82nd. Richie, do you mean 152nd or do you mean actually 52nd isn't? No, 52nd's not. 52nd's like the Mount Tabor area. I like, I'm getting all offended because it's where I live. <laughs> Stop it! Well, if we call the Felony Flats Chamber of Commerce, I'm sure they could tell us. <laughs> do they make, somebody ought to make Felony Flats merchandise. Coffee, coffee mugs and sell them at Starbucks or in a, that area? Or a t-shirt. Yeah, sure. Why not? So, uh, <laughs> sell those right there. Do you, do you stock those at Devil's Point. All right, uh, here's Tim Riley. So here's uh, something new and different for downtown, and it's on our street. Southwest First. It'll be the site of a brand new swingers club. It's called really? Club Sesso. It'll be a social haven for swingers. The owner anticipates people may get the wrong idea about the club. It's not going to be a sea of naked people. Well, that's going to turn people away, obviously. Uh, it won't be out of control. There won't be boundaries. There'll be respect and limitations. Wait, wait where is this going to be? Let's see. It's going to be on Southwest First. But I mean, I don't, say... I don't have the exact address. But uh, this is from the same people. Apparently, during the 90s, at uh, Southeast 39th and Powell, which is outside of Felony Flats, it used to be the Ace of Hearts, but today it's called the Angel Social Club. Well, we have a whole... Uh, <laughs> the Angel Central Social Club? Be uh, very uh, careful about this. I said, yeah. We have a history with the club. Um, we so So, no, uh, well, and we don't really have a history except this about a year ago. No, we don't have one so much as Richie has one. Well, but we all went there uh, just to tour it during the day. Yeah. Uh, because I should, it's a social club. Well, because it's just because it's one of those Portland things. So, but I should say, just by way of background, so about a year ago, uh, Sarah, uh, Richie, uh, our uh, PA, and then myself, we went there during the day just to kind of tour the place because you know, we live in Portland. It's just one of those places you always, you know, it, I mean, it's a Portland landmark. It really is. Now, do you have an option to, to tour a swingers club in the middle of the day when you don't have to see, like, you know, any, like, writhing sensuality? Person? Yeah. Too uh, much swinging. Yes, exactly. It's a lot of swinging and jiggling, uh, Tim. Uh, and so, but you know, it's just one of those places you always hear about, and it's been the it was the Ace of Hearts for a long time, and uh, you know, and then now it's Angels, I guess. And so we went there, and you know, they were they were very cool. It was a you know a woman and the and a couple guys, and they kind of they took us on a whole walk through during the day. And um, it's for the places first of all that uh, Angels, which is at 39th and Powell, 
That place is huge on the inside. It's much bigger than you would expect. I mean, it just it's just like it's like a sex catacomb of some kind. It's a mall of swinging. That's exactly what it is, Tim. <laughs> the mall of sensuality. And but I guess so. Yeah, the when the original owners are, are opening another another place that's just down the street. So now Richie must uh, you know. You know is, is it an annex? You know, like an overflow. <laughs> it's the uh, sw- Swingers Club West. So uh, anyway. So this new club, you have to undergo a background check, which includes a query into the National Sex Offenders Database. Well, there you go. That's awkward. Let's move on. Anybody see that big line of people? You you were telling me you saw this big line of people. Outside of Lloyd Center? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday. It was, it was forever. It stretched. I mean, it thousands was... Thousands and thousands. Yeah, it wrapped. It went all the way down the street. Because, you know, across from Lloyd Center, there's that park. Whatever that, yeah. whatever that, I don't even know what it is. But there's the Max Line and there's Lloyd, there's the Lloyd uh, Center Mall. And then in between the two is the park. And there's just a long-ass line of people that went all the way down that street and then wrapped around to the other side, almost back to the Max tracks. In other words, the line started, if you're if you're on Multnomah and you're heading toward MLK, and then there's that building there that kind of is by the Max store, it went all the way down that building and all the way wrapped around back to the Max tracks, which is just insane. I mean, it was thousands of people. Looked and all these people to make 68 bucks a day, so you can tell the economy is bad. So what movie is this? This is the... Untitled Crowley Project. Uh, it is based... Robert. Is this the Robert Redford thing, or am I thinking of something? Harrison no. Ford. Harrison, this is Harrison Ford. Ford and Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. It's very compelling. Uh, this is about a father who risks his family's fortune to pursue a, a cure for his children's life-threatening disease. Well, it sounds very touching, Tim. From it Lifetime, sounds, uh, probably. It sounds. Uh, it sounds. In the movie, Fraser, who plays Crowley, enlists the help of Ford, a medical researcher, to save his children. Does it have a lot of, like, I'm not going to let them die moments? Yes. And a lot of, you know, damn it, this isn't a time for rules. It even includes a researcher from OHSU who is hoping to play a doctor in the movie. Okay, well, so, hold on to that hope. Anybody wants to make 60 bucks a week, I guess it's too late. That would All be... these people were lined up to get their pictures taken. Uh, so what is the deal with those with those kind of cattle calls? You just walk in and they take your... Take your picture and they file it and if they're they're looking for you. And I guess they need so many people, there might be a good chance that you get called back. But, uh, yeah, if you want to make 68 bucks, it's kind of fun. And, and who you, doesn't? And you do take a chance of being seen for, like, a split second. Now, what is the deal if you already have, like, a headshot or something? Do you still have to get your photo taken, or do you just uh, do you just walk, do you stand in line and then give them your headshot and walk away? Well, I guess, let's see, this is Danny Stoltz. So, if you're not registered with him... Is that a talent agent? Yeah, it is. Well, he handles most of the extras. All right, okay. So, I'm not sure if there's a fee or not, but chances are there's some small... Well, see, that's better than what I thought it was. I figured it was just like some, uh, like a, like some uh, lame, like a, I figured it was like a reality show audition or something. I, I mean, I just sort of think American Idol, and it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. But I figured it was like, you know, uh, who wants to be the next, like, banjo plucker or something. And, you know, and it was just, and it was just people standing in line for that. Boy, it used to be just a cattle call for Polaroids, but I'm not sure they do Polaroids anymore. They used to. Look, I'm no one to pass judgment, but listen to me pass judgment when I say this. You're standing in line to get your photo taken for a movie. See, it's even... It's even you a size card. But it's, but it's just, like, amazing that you say that this, because I mean, you should have seen some of the people there. I mean, look, I'm no fashion plate or nothing, but, I mean, it was exactly, let's just be honest, it was exactly the type of men and women that you would expect to see sort of standing in the sun outside of Lloyd Center. It was just a lot of blobs on legs uh, wearing, like, a Winnie the Pooh shirt. Just, it was, like, covered <laughs> in some, on legs. you know, I mean, there's a sort of, you know, just which is like bananas and pajamas, but it's, like, blobs and legs. And just, you know, with a lot of, like, sitting there with, sitting there with, like, a, like, a, like a like a euro sort of a thing, and just you know, which is dribbling onto their shirt as they stand in the noonday sun. And of course, there's the guy with the Hagen Dazs cart going up and down the line, uh, just selling one ice cream after another to people who clearly don't need any more ice cream. 
especially if they're angling to be on camera somewhere. You know, but they're going to love it if they're selected to be extras because it's nonstop craft services and nothing to do but eat Boy, for like 10 hours a day when you're only used for like two minutes. Let me just tell you that uh, just a couple of times I've ever been on a, on a film set where there's been craft services, that's some eating. It really is. That's Boy, that's just some of the best food you're ever going to have because it's free and plentiful. Except on like the low-budget ones like that movie, I, uh, we had a clip of, of me getting shot in the neck. Uh-huh. That was filmed in a sewer, and it was just a bowl of crumbled up potato chips. <laughs> it was and, filmed and in a sewer. Cars. It was filmed at the Van Nuys. That was filmed in the Van Nuys uh, sewer. Oh, like the sewer from like Terminator 2, like those mm-hmm. L.A. ones? Yeah. Okay. The, be- the best part is that you had to note that the craft services in the sewer wasn't that good. Well, I- I'll always remember that it was in the sewer. I'll never forget that time I had bad, bad craft services. Where was it? In a sewer? <laughs> in Van Nuys, of all places. No. As the song says, nobody wants to die in Van Nuys, Tim. That's true. That's Tim Riley at the news desk. It's the Rick Emerson program. It's Rock 101. KUFO just ahead. Seeing a radio correspondent, Dick Giuliano, coming up later on. Uh, today's top five, the five worst number one songs in American history. Christy uh, Turnquist from the Oregonian. Your phone calls and more. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. It is Monday morning. Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us. Ahead this hour, seeing a radio correspondent, Dick Giuliano, about... I don't even know this guy's uh, name, but he's already... He's gone from being totally unknown by me to me, from me, whatever. The guy from General Motors, I didn't even know who he was yesterday. And he went from being a total blank to being my sworn enemy and now a vanquished enemy. Oh, Rick Wagner? Yeah. So, uh, I don't even know who he is, but I'm glad that he's been kicked out. Oh, I'm sorry. Wagner? I barely knew her. Uh, So, I guess... this is. By the way, you always like to read this headline. The Obama administration, quote, not sure about the viability of General Motors or Chrysler. That it's always it's like when you just decide not to like not to put anything else in grandma's feeding tube. I think they've intercepted a lot of the money that was going to be going to those uh, companies, which uh, indicates that perhaps the long term viability of those corporations is uh, is suspect. So more on that. We'll also have uh, today's top five, the five worst number one songs in American history, the five worst number one songs in American history. Christy Turnquest uh, from the Oregonian will be joining us later on. We'll talk about weekend box office, and we'll have another terrible air check uh, from someone. It's actually not even from one of us. It's an air check from uh, our friend Bridget, who works upstairs, who handles all the online stuff. And this is when she was a traffic person in Spokane. I don't have time to do the air check here, but no, I promise to give really the name. that's really playing dues, working in a market like that. Spokane, which is, I think, at the time it was when I was there it was a hundred market, one hundred and thirty-five, I think, maybe. But isn't it its own major? There's nothing there, and if you don't work there, there's no place else to go. In Spokane. Oh no, I mean no, there's no, there's nothing there. It's just, it's just one big sucking void, Tim. That's that's what it is. I'll have to see it one of these days. No, now see the thing is you don't see see it from a plane as you're flying somewhere better. That's when you should see Spokane. See Spokane from above at thirty thousand feet as you are on your way to a lush resort island somewhere. Um, it's just a big, vast expanse of grit and stupidity, uh, just filled with Camaros. That's kind of what it is. So we'll play the air check later, but I promise to give the name that she was tagged with. So when Bridget from upstairs, who, and if you listen to the podcast and if you sort of appreciate that, or if you go to see any of the videos we have online, or if you go to KUFO.com and you sort of see the, um, the style and uh, expertise with which those sites are laid out, you have Bridget to thank for all that stuff. But is speaking of paying dues, so before she was kind of in this gig, uh, she, I think, was just not interning, but I think she got in the door there as just like a part-timer or a street team or something and you know, just out handing out stickers or working at remotes. 
But the deal is, when you when you get into radio, you just take anything they offer you. It doesn't matter. You just take whatever the job is. And so she just, man, she just grabbed the first thing I think that was offered to her, which was being this afternoon uh, traffic person. And they gave her this name. She did. I don't even think she had a name. I don't even think they called her Bridget. I do believe. Spokane Sally. I believe the afternoon uh, DJ on this rock station uh, called her the butt naked traffic girl. <laughs> wow, radio rules. So there you go. So Sarah, in your darkest hour, at least you were never the butt naked traffic girl. So wow. have, uh, have fun with that. Tim Riley's working on the uh, following stories on this Monday morning. Joe Biden's daughter allegedly snorts cocaine on the video. Sure, it's alleged. 2,000 stars of tomorrow line up at the Lloyd Center to be extras in a new Brandon Fraser Harrison Ford film being shot here. A new business helps to stimulate the downtown economy, and the owner of the new Swingers Club promises it won't be a sea of nudity. Another big cigarette tax to benefit children goes into effect Monday. Cigars themselves will be taxed at 40%. Another role model is disgraced in a truly American story. The ShamWow guy squanders his infomercial fame on a hooker who bites his tongue when he tries to kiss her. And in search of light bulbs at work. It's becoming more and more difficult to find them. Or light bulbs at work for a long period of time that don't burn out. I don't understand. What do you mean? Like if you're looking, like if you're rooting around in the closet, you can't find light bulbs? Those squiggly light bulbs? Apparently, they don't last one or two years, as claimed, and they're hardly giving off any light, and people are sick and tired of them. And they make you look sickly. I mean, not you, Tim. Nothing can make you look sickly. You have a radiant glow, as you always do. Well, I have a face for radio. But those those Al Gore light bulbs, which I was to understand now that those are soon going to be the only light bulbs you can buy. There's going to be a black market of crime because of these things. Right, because... Boy, let's just... So they say that they last two years, but really they're lasting, what, like a month? There are going to be Colombian light bulb cartels. Well, and they, because they're crap. Uh, first of all, the light they give off is completely insufficient. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm some guy who complains about new innovations or whatever, but it doesn't really seem like an innovation so much as it just seems like a de-evolution of the whole light bulb. Because there's the classic light bulb, and we all understand what the classic light the bulb is. The ones that work. Yeah. The, the one, <laughs> that's right, Tim. They, they can't be made any better. They work fine. Leave them alone. <laughs> they can be uh, They can be identified by the light that they give off, which is actually sufficient for reading or whatever it is you might be doing. And they last more than a couple of weeks. Well, they, dude, I have a light bulb at my house. Now I sound like my grandmother, but I, I have a light bulb at my home that's been there since night, since aught seven. And I mean, it hadn't been there for years and years and years. And I think I've actually whacked it with a broom handle a couple of times while trying to get a moth or whatever, and it continues used to burn and you get those like weird al gore lights that are all the weird squiggly curly cue ones and everything first of all looks like you're in fight club you put those in your house and it's like you're it's like you're in a john carmack video game or something where you expect uh you know like hell beasts to come out of a portal or whatever they've got that bad flickering strange outer space look to them and they make everything look pale and sort of unhealthy and you have to get one that's like 500 watts to equal what I think like a normal 80-watt bulb would be. Mm-hmm. There's something really weird. They, but they lie on the carton saying, these are equal to blah, blah, blah. And they're not. And they do it with a big, they have the light bulb that has the big smiley face on it, too. And he says, it's a bright idea. And there's like a big, there's like a big balloon above him saying, better for the environment, and it's a more natural light. That's a lie. That is a complete mistruth is what that is. And now even the regular light bulbs, the ones that are made in China, aren't lasting very long. I don't know if you're familiar with pot lights. They're kind of like little spotlights, and you scoot right, them. Right, right. Well, I have them running down all my hallways, and I'm lucky if I can get like a month out of any of them now. Now they, uh, it's, uh, it is planned obsolescence, Tim. It's just another thing they've tried to improve. Let's let's now list quickly. 
three different things that they have foisted upon us. And I think it's all, well, two of them are for the environment, mm-hmm. about which I don't care at all. And the other one is, is you know, is to allegedly stop drug use, which isn't going to happen, and to prevent the manufacture of methamphetamine, which is also not going to happen, and to prevent the sale of methamphetamine, also, yes, not going to happen. Those three things are this. One, those light bulbs. And is it just Oregon or is it nationwide where those... Sorry, that was... I just turned my microphone off. <laughs> is it just Oregon or is it nationwide where those curly Q light bulbs are going to be the only it's kind? nationwide, and probably California will go first. Maybe some states have already ad- adopted some of this stuff. So when is that happening here in Oregon? Like, when, like, how long do I have to buy light bulbs that work? I think it's... What was it? 2010? Okay, yeah, so... It's coming up the next year. So, like, this year. Like, I got to be at the store, like, piling up on that stuff. All right, so done and done. Secondly... We've already talked about cold medication. You have to go to Washington State now mm. to buy anything that has, uh, what is it, pseudoephedrine? Anything that works. Anything that works, because all they get now is that pseudoephed PE jazz that doesn't do anything. Oh, like the stuff we have in the cabinet, none of which works? No, it's pointless. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're just... Uh, Flavored candy. That's all it is. It's just you're just taking capsules full of chalk, Tim. There's absolutely nothing. But, man, I had the best thing uh, that happened to me about six months ago. I was in the basement looking for something else, and I found a whole drawer full of cold medication from about a year and a half ago. And it's from before they got rid of all of the uh, the pseudoephedrine and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it was, I don't know, probably three different packages uh, total of pseudoephed and various pseudoephed-like projects, uh, products. So all it was, I brought it upstairs, and I uh, I stuck it in, like, a special sort of medicine cabinet area so that we always know where it is. Now, we only break it out whenever one of us actually is, you know, like, really you have the, the congestion or the nose problem going on. Because all the, the other stuff is just completely pointless. It's just, uh, it is totally ineffective. So there's that. Third thing. To balance out the fact that everybody here in Oregon now has to go to Washington to buy cold remedies, do you know what they have to do in Washington now? In Washington, they are having to go to either Oregon or Idaho to buy dishwasher detergent. What? Why is that? I'm glad you asked that, Tim and Sarah, because in Washington now, you cannot buy dishwasher detergent that has phosphates in it. Phosphates are the things that actually, you know, clean. They're the stuff that actually gets the food off your plates. There was the best article, I think it was in the Oregonian, uh, over the weekend, and it was one of those articles that starts off with the personal sort of anecdote, like when Obama would say, I met a man who was a pipe fitter. But uh, in the Oregonian, they were talking about, it's like, uh, you know, Grant St. Joseph used to be able to wash his dishes effectively. Now when he takes them out of the dishwasher, they're covered in disgusting bits of food and slime. And it's because dishwasher detergent in Washington State can now no longer be sold if it has phosphates. And without phosphates, you can't get anything clean. So people are now having to go to Idaho. They're having to go to, like, uh, Moscow, Idaho, or here into Portland to buy, like, Cascade dishwasher detergent. Because all the stuff they sell now is, like, this, this weird crap detergent that does nothing. It doesn't clean anything at all. Well, if the state of Idaho was smart, they would build stores on both sides of the roadways leading in and out of the state. The only reason that people go to Idaho is to buy stuff that's illegal that you can't buy anywhere else. You're, I mean, Because when I was growing up in New Hampshire, Massachusetts had blue laws. You couldn't buy liquor or cigarettes on Sundays. So New Hampshire got smart, and right on the sides of the interstate, c- cigarettes and liquor because the state controlled both. Was it like a Burma shave sign? Yeah. It would just, uh, it would, you know. Well, you knew when you were crossing state line, the next exit is for liquor and cigarettes. If you want to get drunk, something, something in your trunk, blah, 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 Idaho. I don't know, but it would rhyme. Um, I don't know. That did rhyme. <laughs> it was, it, because when I was uh, when I was a young person, the drinking age in uh, Idaho was 18. 
And so there would be uh, any number of, they would call them because we were sophisticates. Uh, you would go to Moscow, Idaho, not me, of course, because I respected my body, but uh, you would go to Moscow, Idaho to get to get drunk. And so you would ask these guys, what are you doing this weekend? And they'd all say, I'm doing a scow run. And a scow run was where you were going to Moscow, Idaho to drink as much as humanly possible and then to speed back home before your parents noticed that you were missing. So it was just like this corridor of death. Oh, no, I went to WSU. Well, yeah, and I went to WSU, too, and there's that eight-mile stretch between Pullman, Washington, and Moscow, which is called, like, like Blood Highway. (laughs) Yeah, or something. It was awful. Total road of tears. (laughs) Like, by the time I went to school there, you know, the drinking age was back to 21, but, I mean, my friends and I would all do pilgrimages once a week to go and buy, like, cigarettes there. And the pavement ran red, Sarah. Not in an illegal way or anything. No, of course not. And so, but every, at least like once every six months, there would be some horrible story about um, a bad car accident. Well, now why though, would if you were in Pullman, why were you going to Moscow? Why were you going to Idaho if the drinking age was back to twenty one? Oh, because it wasn't for the drinking; it was for the the cigarettes. The oh, because you could were be a, like half the price in Idaho. Really? It was weird. Yeah, so we'd go there and we'd go to the um, what is it? The Palouse Mall. <laughs> the Palouse Mall. Wow. The Palouse Mall, where you're in there. Uh, in like J.C. Penney or something, you can see cows grazing like through the window. <laughs> Idaho really is a, it's yeah. quite a place. So, but uh, so in Idaho, they ought to just you're right have it like a total black market economy there because it used to be booze, but now apparently it's dishwasher detergent, and they don't have the pseudo-federal law there either. Also, they have all those Indian reservations there uh, where you can get the fireworks that'll blow your hand off, and that's the only kind worth getting. Mm-hmm. So that they ought to just make that place into just one big Chicago. I mean, it ought to be one whole state of just illicit goods and services. I mean, it's the only way anybody's going to care about Idaho anyway. All right. Well, in any event, uh, people correcting me about fluorescent lights here in just a moment. Still ahead, Dick Giuliano from CNN Radio uh, on Capitol Hill. We'll talk about this guy getting the boot at General Motors. And the top five, the five worst number one songs in American history. It's a Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101 KU. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. In mere moments, we'll talk to Dick Giuliano. Kind of like Tom Brokaw there. Dick Giuliano joining us from... Or, or Imus. Take your pick. All right, I found this article. Apparently, it's just Spokane County, by the way. Spokane County now has banned phosphates in dishwasher detergent, which is why uh, you... Which is why dishes are coming out, quote, encrusted with food, smeared with grease, and, says the Associated Press, too gross to use without rewashing them by hand. But... <laughs> In July, it's all of Washington State and several other states as well. But they don't quantify, they don't really explicate who that might be. So it might, might be us. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Capitol Hill, CNN Radio correspondent and guru, Dick Giuliano. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Rick. Good morning from Washington. Um, so I, I mean, I'm going to pretend to be smarter than I am here. So I had no idea who this Rick Wagoner guy was until this morning when he went from being unknown to me to being the GM chief executive to now being, I guess, the former GM chief right. executive. They booted him out. Well, Rick, Rick Wagner was the chairman of General Motors. He was one of these auto executives who uh, uh, took a uh, corporate jet uh, to Washington uh, late last year to demand uh, bailout funds, and uh, that kind of backfired on him. And now the Obama administration has demanded and received Rick Wagoner's resignation before the government provides any more bailout money to General Motors and Chrysler. President Obama is expected to announce the next phase of those bailouts this morning. So was it was him leaving? Was that a uh, a requirement? Was that a condition of getting uh, additional funds from the government? 
Yes, that's what he says on the GM webpage, uh, that this was effective uh, at midnight, that he was asked by the Obama administration to step aside. Uh, the uh, White House has not confirmed this, uh, but uh, that's exactly what, what Wagner says. Uh, the governor of Michigan says that uh, he is a sacrificial lamb in all of this, but in any event, uh, when you have the government as a partner, the government can call shots like this. And uh, that's exactly what the Obama administration is doing, uh, ousting uh, the head of GM and uh, moving forward with the bailout. So uh, I read something this morning that said that the government is, what did they say, that they are not, they are not sure, quote, the long-term viability of General Motors and Chrysler, which that seems like a uniquely unnerving phrase if you work at that uh, in one of those yeah. companies at all. You know, um, I think that there is, um, you know, there's more confidence that GM can survive than there is in Chrysler. Uh, what the administration has said about this is they recommend that Chrysler go ahead with this deal uh, that they've had inked since January with Fiat, where uh, the Fiat, the European-based Fiat, would pump uh, 35% uh, into Chrysler, and the government says Chrysler needs that to survive. Government officials say they do believe that GM can survive and thrive, but they need to reduce their long-term debt. They still see a mountain of debt over GM and Chrysler. All right, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano, as always, thrill-packed and informative. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. There you go, Dick Giuliano, ladies and gentlemen. All right, fantastic. Just ahead, news from Tim Riley. Tim, what headlines are you working on this morning? Well, I'm glad you asked. Portland firefighters spend part of Sunday rescuing a man stuck in a tree in felony flats. Bad Salem teenagers are stealing Mad Dog. Doctors remove a six-inch spear from a man's brain. ShamWow becomes ShamWai, as the infomercial star is busted for giving a hooker two black eyes after she allegedly bit his tongue. Wait, how about this? How about instead of we did shampoo, how about BAM! Wow. That's all like an emerald thing. That sounds great. You're going to love my nuts. The lesson here, never try to French kiss a hooker. <laughs> that is life lessons from Tim Riley. So the you're going to love my nuts thing, that is actually from... The follow-up to the ShamWow. It's the infomercial that he did after he did the ShamWow thing. And so I've got the audio from that. So we'll do that as well because I want everybody to know. I want everybody to know the full contextual genius that is. You're going to love my nuts. Just as I know it. So that is ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Here alongside Tim Riley and Sarah X. Dillon. Your phone calls at 503-733-2970. Still to come, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian talking about this weekend at the cinema. Later on, the top five as well. The five worst number one songs in American history. Uh, and I will play that terrible air check from uh, Bridget from upstairs. Back when she was working in Spokane Radio and she had to be called not even the bare naked traffic girl, the butt naked traffic girl. <laughs> That's what passes. That is so creepy. I feel so bad for her. That's what passes for wit in the Inland Empire, uh, Sarah. I can say that, by the way, that I'm from there. Um, so just it, so re- she was introduced in that manner at personal appearances, also. I probably. I oh, mean, they man. would probably. Hey, give it up, guys and gals, for the butt naked traffic girl. And <laughs> Turn then, around to give everyone a look. <laughs> and then she would just sit there and sort of, you know, die a little bit inside. I paid twenty thousand dollars to go to college. Mm. Why am I here? Is it where you sort of there's those radio jobs where you sometimes wonder if you are in some sort of purgatory, you know, like you've fallen into uh, you've fallen into what the uh, the Mormon Church would call spirit prison, and you're just there until you know until you've paid your dues, or if you're Catholic, 
you are, in fact, in some kind of limbo where you're waiting for people to say enough prayers so that you can escape and go to heaven to be with Jesus. But no, you're in Spokane as the butt-naked traffic girl, drinking yourself to sleep every night in a blanket of tears. And this is all true. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Due to the fact that I got thousands of requests to do this, I will now read the ShamWow Pitchman story. Ready? Yes. ShamWow may be able to clean up all your stains and spills, but I can't keep people from biting your tongue. The Smoking Gun reports ShamWow Pitchman Vince Shlomi was arrested last month. Not yesterday, but last month. After a woman described as a prostitute. Described as a described prostitute. Is that like being tongue. described as being tall and fetching? Yes. Well, she bit his tongue. The incident took place in Miami Beach after Shalomi picked up Sasha Harris and took her back to his hotel. Shalomi told police he paid Harris about $1,000 in cash. About $1,000. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a lot of shamwows. $1,000 in cash after she, quote, propositioned him for straight sex. What's that? I know. I mean, uh, well, she's a woman. She's a woman, Tim, and he's a man. Oh, I guess Allegedly, maybe they mean straight maybe, sex is like not straight up sex, like, like not anything kinky. Yeah, like not perhaps beating her until her eyes are bleeding. Yeah. Then you have to pay more for that. Well, apparently, well, uh, once back in the room, the pair reportedly began kissing, uh, and at one point, Harris bit Shalomi's tongue. It would not let go. In order to free himself. The pitch man began punching Harris until she eventually gave up her grasp. See, but that's but that's. Uh, look, I, I'm just saying these are all my observations. These are just my opinions as protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. These are. Uh, I'm just making these observations. I'm weighing in as a pundit and bloviator. I just did that Sarah Palin thing and put in two ends and pundit. Pundit. Do you ever live in fear that you're going to start saying nuclear because you heard George Bush say it for so long? It's going to creep its way like some sort of linguistic kudzu into your dialogue and you're not going to be able to get rid of it? Yes, but nobody would notice. That's true. That's true, Tim. Really, as the country gets stupider and stupider, we all have to try... uh, I mean, really, we have to try less and less hard to try to look... I mean, it's just so much easier to stand out. Um, Anyway, so you go to to rickemerson.com, you can see the mugshot of the ShamWow guy. It really is just, it's wonderful, A, because it looks like, and Sarah had the same thought, it looks like he's wearing hospital pajamas. With, and look at his crazy, like, furry jacket See, thing. that's my thing, is like, what is he wearing over the top of it? I mean, it's the shirt and jacket together that don't work. He looks messed up. And he just, man, he looks like a million miles of bad road. That's about, what fame does to people. He looks like he escaped from a mental institution. Well, didn't we, uh, I have to be, let me see if I can recall this correctly. Didn't we have a phone call from somebody at one point? who claimed to have known him in the past in Los Angeles and that he was a little mental, mm-hmm. that he was more than a shade unbalanced, which, by the way, looking at the, look, not like your mugshot it, it makes you look like a, a million bucks, but, I mean, he does look uh, ever so slightly unstable and I would say a little bit dangerous. In this. Now they're all going to come forward and inquire an article that will be out this Friday. You wait and see. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, TMZ's on this today, so you know that probably they just... Especially because the, the Inquirer is based in Florida, mm-hmm. so that it's easy for them. They must just swarm all over that place. So what is the deal? So he is making out with the hooker, or the hooker propositions him. Yes. But where are you that you would even be propositioned by a hooker? Like, don't you think that to that's sort of a thing you have to go looking for, right? That you know, it's not like you're just going to be in hookers are everywhere. You're not going to be in in like a like a Christian Science reading room and suddenly you look up and there's a hooker saying, "Hey, uh, you know, how about I give you uh, the full job for." Twelve hundred. Seriously, how does one figure out a hooker? With so many girls who dress so slutty in life, like well, how do you find no out a hooker? Well, they're everywhere. Even in these upscale neighborhoods in uh, Happy Valley, they were talking about 
you know, they built all these uh, McMansions, and they're all deserted. They couldn't sell them. The hookers are hanging out in these upscale neighborhoods. Really? Buying their trade. Yeah, and people are getting upset. It's Happy Valley for a different reason now. <laughs> it's, ah, uh, never mind. Not, I want to hear some morning show humor. <laughs> Do we have, whatever happened to our Z? Yeah, our jokes. Uh, whatever happened to our Z sound effect? I don't know. We used to have a Z sounder that we would play whenever there was a terrible, um, Wait, hold on. I thought we launched that years ago. Hold on. Is this the, wait, wait, wait. Uh, is this the Z? You're going to love my nuts. No, that's... Well, we'll get to that, but that's not... I don't know where... We used to have a sounder we play whenever we do a terrible morning show gag. So I was going to say, it's not so much... Not so much Happy Valley is Happy Ending Valley. Mm-hmm. See how it's not even all that funny? It doesn't even really require a sound effect. So the hooker somehow propositions him. Which I guess, unless he's in one of the Happy Valley McMansions, again, it seems like a thing. That's like destination and, shopping. And you know, hey, baby, I'm the ShamWow guy. <laughs> it's not like in some straight sex. But don't you figure that it's probably the opposite? I mean, you wouldn't use, like, it's like the thing with celebrities are always getting caught picking up whores, and it's, you would figure that if you are a celebrity, look, I'm not passing judgment on a guy who gets a hooker. Get a hooker. Get a, don't get a hooker. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. I have no moral problem uh, with prostitution. Uh, it, just, it seems like it's one of those things. That just that will inevitably be legalized everywhere, just as it is in certain sections of uh, certain sections of, of Nevada. And I think Wisconsin, I think now has a, a couple a couple uh, counties where you can do it as long as it's uh, behind closed doors and it's not actually like in a big business or something. So it seems like it'll be legal eventually, but for now it's not. But I don't care. But if you're, let's say, the Sham Wow guy, or let's say uh, other celebrities who've been busted with hookers, Charlie Sheen, Hugh Eddie, Grant, Eddie Hugh Grant, Eddie Murphy, I believe. He was the transsexual, right? It was a transsexual yeah. hooker, yeah. right? Well, he's trying to get her out of the rain. The uh, <laughs> uh, Dan, Danny Bonaducci, I believe, was he busted with a? Was it a transsexual hooker for him too? More than likely. I can't remember. Um, but it seems like if you have any amount of celebrity, can't you just have the hooker sent to your house? I mean, you have a, you have some sort of a, you know. Some sort of a, um, a man who does that for you. You, you have a. You, have a, a hey, you should man, have a contact. A gal Friday. You have somebody who goes and rustles up whatever you need. Sometimes it's Pringles. Sometimes it's a whore. And they just they go and they bring the whore back and everybody has a great time. And then she is dispatched and she is returned to wherever you know to, to, to when she when she came. So, just like having a driver for Lindsay Lohan or whoever can avoid uh, you know all of these issues of getting pulled over by the cops and then being photographed vomiting on yourself in the front seat, having somebody who just goes out to the store to get whatever it is you need. That'll probably uh, help you avoid getting, you know, uh, this treatment where you have a mugshot where it looks like you have just been gone over with a pitchfork. I mean, the ShamWow guy looks bad in this. So that he's making out with the hooker, and then she does what? She just starts biting his tongue? I guess so. Well, in order for, for him to do that, the tongue must have been inserted into her mouth. I suppose that's true. I I mean, does she well, give maybe any... Maybe that wasn't part of the deal. Does, does she... Well, is it like a... No, I always thought, I just took it as an article of faith that hookers never kissed anybody. Isn't that the deal? Yes. I guess I'm saying that because Julia Roberts says it in Pretty Woman, and that's where all my <laughs> whore knowledge comes from. It's just All my knowledge about hookers comes from uh, from Pretty Woman and then that Cat House show that was on HBO that had Isabella Rossellini in her, or what, not Isabella Rossellini, Isabella Soprano. Um, does, does the hooker, is she on record anywhere? Have they interviewed her? Not yet. So there's no, we don't know her side of the story yet. No, we don't. I wonder about... Because if you see the pictures of the hooker, which I think are on TMZ.com today, it's strange because she is, I mean, she's really been, uh, she's been given what for? I mean, several times. She's got both eyes. And again, they're not even black eyes. It's like, it's like her eyes are almost sort no, of they're black bleeding. and red. Ugh. But how would you do that if she was biting your tongue? In other words, if she, unless his tongue is sort of like serpentine and it's three feet long, 
How is it that you would even be able to punch her? And for and I call BS on that anyway, because if a woman's biting your tongue, you're not going to be punching her in the face because that face is attached to your tongue via some teeth. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you'd be punching her. I'm not saying you the should side be... of the head. No, but you wouldn't punch her in the head at all. Can't kick believe her. I'm, can't believe he'd I'm, probably. Yeah, I would feet. say kicking. Can't believe I'm talking about the logistics of beating a whore. But really, if you're in a situation where you feel like that's called for, well, it's better to learn it here than on the street. I said, well, the job we're doing is worth doing right, Tim. Um, so, I mean, it seems like you would just give her like the good, uh, like a knee in the stomach or something, because then she would probably open her mouth, she'd gasp, and then you would be able to extract your tongue from between mm-hmm. her teeth. I would imagine Maybe. a foot stomping would be the easiest. Oh, stepping on her foot? But if you're laying down on the bed. Well, maybe he got her off of him and then punched her in the face. Oh, are they on the bed or are they standing up? I don't know. Were they in a state of sexual congress when this assault happened? Do we know? So much about this story that is unresolved and unanswered. It's become... uh, it's become quite a compelling case. Well, I'm of sorry, justice. she does look like a hooker, though. I, I she, like this pose. I'm sorry, I know she has black, bloody eyes, but like see the, uh, she has like a blow-up doll mouth. Oh yeah. Wow. I only kind of glancing. She looks like Tara Reid. I only saw that. She for, looks filthy. She does. I saw that for about ten <laughs> seconds this morning, but it was before I'd had my coffee, so I didn't really retain a lot of that. Yet he saw nothing wrong with sticking his tongue in her mouth for a thousand dollars. How would you stick your tongue in that? Ugh. I don't know, Sarah. I the uh, well, maybe it was already open for something in her mouth. <laughs> Everyone, stop. I feel like we're all over the place here. We're, I think we're dangerously close to working blue. And there's a joke there, too. Um, so what part of Florida was this? This is Miami Beach. It's Miami Playground Beach. Playground of the rich. So d- d- does he – did it say where exactly he was? In other words, was he on the street? Was this at a bar where they met, where he met this this hooker? He apparently met her outside. He could have had like a ShamWow stand on the sidewalk. Do you suppose Peddling he just, his wares. If you were the ShamWow guy like this, do you suppose he would just uh, walk around with a, like, them away? Well, like a photograph of yourself, like a, like a screen capture from the infomercial just to impress people? I would imagine since he doesn't look that way in real life. I mean, you kind of wonder. He looks bad in real life. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. By the way, you can see these photos. They're at RickEmerson.com, uh, the ShamWow guy who was – but this, is, this arrest is from last month, so it took a while for this to come to light, right? I got more people who sent me this story. Here's the weird thing about this. Do you remember in the ShamWow infomercial, he looks like Beavis. He's got that thing where his chin is jutting out real far and his forehead seems sunken back. But here it doesn't look that way. So I'm wondering why that is. Lights, makeup? Maybe, but I mean, it's like his head actually appears shaped differently in the infomercial than it does here. It's kind of deformed. I'm thinking he's put on a lens. Does it seem like he's put on weight here for this mugshot, too? Does it seem like he weighs more than he does in the infomercial? Well, maybe he diets like before he does the show. He only did that one infomercial, didn't he? No, no, no. I'm glad you asked that, Tim. (laughs) Way to bring it back home, Mr. Riley. So we have now this soundbite. You're going to love my nuts. That soundbite is from this commercial. I've got just a little distillation of this. Was this the first one? No, no, no. This is the follow-up to the ShamWow. And this is... Oh, this is after they became stars, not before they became stars. This is once the ShamWow infomercial had become sort of a viral thing where everybody was telling everybody. I mean, it is hard to believe that there was a time about six months ago when none of us knew the ShamWow guy even existed. And I'm not even really sure who told me about it. Was it you, Sarah? Yes, because somebody had sent it to me, and then I remember I was just like, have you guys ever seen this? Look at the ShamWow guy! And so once his star was rising, once he was ascendant Mm -hmm. in terms of sort of commercial celebrity pitchman culture... They immediately leveraged that into doing this other thing called the Slap Chop. And the Slap Chop, you may not know the name to but you know the product because it's existed for like 40 years. It is one of those chopping devices where it's a little, uh, it, is a, it is a cylindrical sort of um, 
plastic cup with a plunger on top of it. And you press the plunger down, and it chops stuff up oh, within like the container. Exactly. It's like a hand pump chopper. And as you push the plunger down, the blades turn, and they hit the countertop inside this sort of plastic cup. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah, so it it looks like one of those games you used to play when you were a kid where there was the ball cup and you would try to catch the ball inside the cup, mm-hmm. but you're turning it upside down and you're pressing the plunger down and it chops things on the counter. So it's called the slap chop. So this wasn't as popular. Obviously, it's a chamois. No, even though it does contain the, the, the great line. You're going to love my nuts. And it, it, it It's a poor sequel. And it does <laughs> seem to be constructed of many, many, many dozens of sound bites that were all edited together. This is a two-minute commercial that ran on the air. But I get the feeling they just pointed the camera at that guy and let him go for about half an hour because he does seem... Unplugged? He seems high on life, if you watch (laughs) this. He seems very, very sweaty and very, very uh, aggressive about this product. So So he he was probably thinking about picking up hookers after you finished the shoot. Yes, Tim, he probably was. So this is a couple... uh, This is a couple... uh, This is like a minute and a half maybe from the Slap Chop commercial. Hi, it fits with Slap Chop. You're going to be in a great mood all day because you're going to be slapping your troubles away with the Slap Chop. Now look, here's a potato. One slap, you got big chunks for stews. Who slaps? Home fries in a second. And look at this. But you add a mushroom, the more you do it, the finer it gets. You don't have to switch any blades. You love salad. You hate making it. Take the stringy celery, take the carrots, salad. I love pizza, too, but once in a while, get the veggies in. At least throw it on top of the pizza. This tuna looks boring. Stop having a boring tuna. Stop having a boring life. Here's a hard-boiled egg. One chop, you add the pickle, you add the green onion. And then what you can do, you can mix things together. You add the ham. You don't have time to make breakfast. You're going to have an exciting life now. Breakfast to go. You're going to love my nuts. Watch this. You can do everything in the cover. It's so easy. I don't think you're doing it to be funny either. They're going to charge you a dollar for So many of these things just come out of nowhere, these phrases. Look at that. I hear lots of ice cream. It's so easy to clean. One, two. And pops open. And he's throwing things over his shoulder into the the sink. Can't open this up. It's worthless. Forget about it. Now, take the slap shot. Right, here's the garlic with the skin. He was using it, and there then he's throwing he's it over his shoulder, or he's using the, you know, the old product, and he throws right, it over the sink. This is making you cry. You're making me cry. Life's hard enough as it is. You don't want to cry anymore. The skin's at the bottom. Hey, look, if you want a little bit of onions, you don't want to drag out the food processor, the skin comes right off. We're going to make America skinny again, one slap at a time. When you buy the slap chop, we're going <laughs> to give you the, slap at a time. the cheese. White cheese, yellow cheese, in the container. Comes with a twister. And watch this. Tacos, Here comes the money part. Fettuccine, linguine, martini, bikini. Comes with two blades. Just bang it. Makes Cheese no sense right at all. Fine and coarse. Parmesan. Comes with a cover. Stay sealed. Put it in the fridge. Take it out when you need it. The Slap Chop sells for nineteen ninety five. But if you call yes. now, within the next 20 minutes, because you know we can't do this all day, you're going to get the gravy absolutely free. Just pay for processing. Here's how to order. This oh, was done in post-production. Nine five one seven four. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the Slap Chop. That was the follow-up to the ShamWow commercial, and from my money, it's actually funnier. It's 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 not even nothing's as good as the edit from the ShamWow commercial, though. where it lasts for ten years. Yeah, and they overdub really crudely the amount of time. I have that a little bit of for. it. If you want to hear a little bit of it, I just want to hear this one more time. You're gonna love my nuts. That's fantastic. What are we? Uh, do we have the? See what I'm telling you? ShamWow, you'll be saying wow every time. I can't live without it. I just love it. Oh my gosh! I don't even buy paper towels anymore. If you're gonna wash your cars or any kind of vehicle. You'd be out of your mind not to own one of these. All I can say is, Sham, wow. You're going to spend $20 every month on paper towels anyway. You're throwing your money away. The mini Sham Wows are for everything, for everyday use. This lasts 10 years. This lasts (laughs) a week. 
I don't know. It sells itself. You gotta wonder if maybe they originally. I'm waiting for the autobiography. Did they originally say that the the ShamWow lasts for like 15 years and then they got sued or somebody in legal said that they had to change it because it's so. They had to wait clearly... for 10 years to pass until it disintegrated and they're like, okay, now it's all right. And it's so obviously looped where they just got some guy in a back room just to go. It lasts for 10 years. So. And plus, the best part is in the video when he's covering his mouth with one of the shamwas, so you can't see That's him. That's true. Saying. They must have known, actually. Yeah. They must have known because when you're watching the shamwow infomercial, when the guy says the shamwow lasts for ten years, he actually is covering his mouth with the shamwow at that moment, like a surgeon's mask. So they must have they must have shot it, and then they figured they would ask legal what like the longest you know term they could possibly say was. Ah, it's a good day to be us. I love this show. Another life destroyed by infomercials. <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. KUFO. It is Monday morning. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. First and foremost, I'm looking at a picture of this hooker from the ShamWow guys case, who I guess wouldn't cooperate with the cops, and when they found her, she was, quote, bleeding from the mouth area. Not yeah. so much from the mouth. Not so much here or here, kind of all over here. Was it her blood or his blood? I don't really know. I uh, I, I, I don't think anybody got close enough to really... Uh... Don't exchange blood with a hooker. Oh. And about $73 out of that 1000 was missing. Well, I don't really have anything else to say about it except to say this is an earlier mug. I'm assuming this is an earlier mug shot because the, mu- the photo they've got from her after getting allegedly beaten down by the ShamWow guy... Which, by the way, that's enough right there to land you a movie and a, a part in a Larry Flint film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right now, is somebody is on the phone to you from Vivid Video uh, offering you a part in a film if you're this girl. Because didn't, what's her name, Divine Brown, they got busted with Hugh Grant. I think she ended up in some, uh, in like a Hustler film or something. It gives you any kind of notoriety. So, you know, right now they're scripting out some sort of a, a sham wow porn film that would be called Sham Wow. Um, How about Sham Wow meets the Octomom? No, no, it would that not would be, be called that. That would be a Disney that. movie, wouldn't it? I'm looking at this earlier mugshot of the hooker, though, I guess is maybe from some the last time she was arrested, and she's not bad looking, actually. You know what she looks like? She looks like Michelle Williams from Dawson's Creek. No, don't me, say that. On. Right right here, look at that. Oh, okay, that's, she kind of, that's before she had the black eyes. Well, that's she before kind of she started there. bleeding from the ocular era. This is like an earlier I, a hooker arrest, I think. Before doing the hooking? Before they were stars. Yes. <laughs> she looks like, a, a, yeah, like an uglier Michelle Before she saw stars, Tim. Um... Yeah, so this is, um, so she's not, I mean, at least then she wasn't an unattractive woman, although I would guess that being a hooker is sort of like aging in dog years. I think probably you're, uh... Well, that could be one of her early publicity shots. <laughs> you mean a headshot? Yes, a headshot. You know, for publicity. Mm-hmm. Like an 8x10, glossy. Everybody has them. Yes, they do, Tim. Yes, they do. Tim Riley's working on the following stories at the news desk this morning. Obama gives GM CEO the boot. And halts the bailout money for the terminally troubled domestic auto industry. Joe Biden's daughter allegedly snorts some cocaine on video. 2,000 prospective stars line up at the Lloyd Center Doubletree to be extras in the new Brandon Frazier Harrison Ford film shooting here. The owner of a new swingers club opening downtown on our very street promises it won't be a sea of nudity. A Portland firefighter spent part of yesterday rescuing a tree cutter stuck in a tree. Doctors remove a six-inch spear from a man's brain. Perez Hilton celebrates his 31st birthday at the Viper Room. Two Catholic priests are jailed for stealing $8 million from the church. And Fargo was saved. Good God Almighty, there's just more news that I even know what to do with here. Back on the thing of the guy stuck in the tree, is this the guy that is in the so-called felony flats area? Yes. Okay, see, now I've got a, we had this whole discussion this morning about where that even is. So now I've got this. This one says, Rick, um, 
I've got two conflicting emails, as I always do. Uh, Sarah is right in saying that Felony Flats does not begin at 52nd. Um, but he does say, regarding Felony Flats, that whole area should actually be set on fire, Rick. If you ever, That's not our assessment, by the way. It's my assessment. It's my assessment and probably Tim's. And probably Sarah's. It is our assessment. It ought to be set on fire. If you ever look at the crime maps, he says that area is usually one solid color, featuring everything from murder, rape, and arson, to maybe not as many car thefts as you would imagine because the stolen cars end up there instead. He said, I have friends that live near 52nd and Woodstock, as well as 83rd and Duke. And a common sight is greasy guys riding around on bicycles with a wrench and a screwdriver in their back pocket, looking in your yard for what they can come back and steal after dark. There's a, a website called Felony Flats Alumni. This tribe is open to anyone who has lived or still lives in the area of Southeast Portland, known as Felony Flats. Okay, wow. I think we have boundaries here. Okay. Okay. Oh. It is temporarily unable to handle my request due to the system maintenance and capacity problem. Everybody wants to join the Felony Flats website. It's because the uh, it's because the 386 machine that's uh, that's handling that is currently overwhelmed. This email says Felony Flats refers to the Brentwood Darlington neighborhood from 52nd to 82nd, and mm. then it says 90 seconds south of Woodstock. Well, what do you care? You don't live there. It's not like I'm, yeah, not like I'm have... maligning your hood. No, I know. I, but... I have another one here that says it has been moved. From its traditional location on the uh, southern uh, Portland border, southeast 52nd and Flavel. It's been moved. There's just a 404 message there. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> the neighborhood you're trying to access has been moved. Please consult Google for more details. It's been moved to where? Uh, let's see. North of I-205 to the east and the Clackamas County to the south. The portion between Woodstock and Foster is more gentrified now and has been kicked out of felony flats due to that. Wait a minute. So, But, but Foster and Woodstock... Like, and what, for example? Because if you were to drive up... Um, cause I would say, like, Foster to, like, it's Powell? Southeast 52nd Burnside, to the west. Foster to the north, I-205 to the east, and Clackamas it, That is to still south. felony flats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. But I mean, just in terms of Woodstock, vibe. Uh, let's see, the portion between Woodstock and Foster has been kicked down to felony flats. So where is Woods... Oh, Woodstock is... is, is I, that way, I say, pointing at Sarah for no real reason. <laughs> Woodstock is... What the hell direction is that? That's, um... Woodstock south? runs east to west, it's but that's south. that's south of where we are now. Yeah, so like Woodstock is where Otto's Sausage House is. Mm-hmm. I sound like an old guy. It's down by that barn where that boy with that odd eye works the fruit stand. But it's like before the Selwood Bridge. Yeah, so, uh, but if you go up Foster, I mean, Foster proper is clearly still felony. I mean, let's just be honest. You just pick any place on on Foster and just look around, man. You're in the, you're in the middle of a big, a big bad empty there. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just nothing but uh, but tumbleweeds and and you know and knives and at that point. Pleasure shacks. And pleasure shacks, Sarah. And a lot of uh, and a lot of places that seem to uh, a lot of places that seem to have closed about 20 years ago, and yet they still are inexplicably open for business. They have that look of a building that is like one shade away from just being boarded up. Yet you see customers going in and out. And it's often those places where they mm-hmm. do full service modeling. So all right. Still to come, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian talking about weekend box office. Also the top five, the five worst number one songs in American history. And uh, we've got uh, this awful air check uh, to play from Bridget. We'll do that this hour, by the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Monday. It's 503-733-2970 in mere moments. We'll be joined by Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer, maven, uh, raconteur extraordinaire for the Oregonian. So I'm looking here at the Oregonian, by the way. This is today, page B8. So I think we talked a little bit about Willie Ames on Friday, but I think I must have missed this detail that he was selling off all his belongings at a garage sale in Kansas City. That's fantastic. 
Let's that, so that's so he could rent that room in L.A. <laughs> She's saying he's, oh, he's, uh, he's like living in a, in a one room. Uh, he's like living in some sort of run, one room joint, and he was just uh, spending his uh, frittering away his remaining dollars on booze. Yes. Or was it that he got busted for stealing alcohol? What was the actual story from Friday about Willie Game? Was he stealing booze? He stole booze from his landlord. Of all the people to steal from, <laughs> really steal from a guy that is not responsible for you having a roof over your head, Willie Ames. Says cash-strapped former Eight is Enough and Charles in Charge star Willie Ames is selling off his belongings in suburban Kansas City. Dozens, not hundreds, not thousands, tens of people showed up at his garage sale at his Olath home, where Ames made deals with bargain hunters and signed autographs. The 48-year-old Willie Ames has fallen on hard times. He filed for bankruptcy last year, and his home is in foreclosure. I have nothing more to say about Willie Ames. I will, however, say this. Not to be confused with Dustin Diamond. No. Who has a similar fate. Yes, he does. Remember when Dustin Diamond was doing that whole thing? Wasn't he selling his house or something, but it turned out that he wasn't really doing it? It was like some big scam. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was like, Screech is selling his house. Come by and purchase part of it. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out he wasn't even really moving out. It was just where he was just trying to hork people out of their money. I'm going to make this one final observation. Not so much about Willie Ames as it is about Charles in charge. You know, both of the daughters from that show turned out to be really unbelievably hot. And the older one, I think, has done some, uh, not like softcore porn, but like some of those like late night uh, kind of silk stockings, but with boobs uh, films on uh, on Cinemax or whatever. So I'm just saying you could do worse than do a, than to check that out. And how old is Joe Biden's daughter? She's of age. She's an adult. Is she not? Joe Biden's daughter. Yeah, the one who's allegedly on tape. Yeah. I'm just saying she appears to be an attractive young lady as well. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I mean, she's old enough to do as she pleases. Yes, she is, Tim. Yes, she is. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian pop culture writer, editor, and reporter extraordinaire, Christy Turnquist. Hello there. Hi there. How are you, Christy? Well, I'm fine. I'm glad to be coming on in this ultra-high-class environment, which you're talking about. <laughs> we are... Uh, Women and Willie Ames. And we are, uh, we are sophisticates, uh, Christy. <laughs> Ours is a... Uh, it's a Noel Coward-esque wit uh, that, exactly. w- uh, that we offer to the people here in Mornings. I'm just saying, really, there's there's no sure way to get me to read an article than to put Willie Ames in it somewhere. He is just hotness on a stick, isn't he? And he was a Bible man as well. Have oh you ever seen gosh. Bible Man? No. Dude, you got to see Bible Man. Bible Man is a series of direct-to-VHS and I guess eventually direct-to-DVD adventures of a guy who fights crime using the word of Jesus. <laughs> and I sw- and it's fantastic in that way that only uh, kind of niche Christian entertainment can really be fantastic. And I forget the name of his sidekick, but it's just like terrible special effects and like like low rent CGI. And then Willie Ames from Eight Is Enough in an ill-fitting sort of polyurethane suit, <laughs> saying, "No, no, no!" But as you may remember, the Book of Ezekiel says, and you know, and then he throws like some sort of like a Bible net. And that was financed by Dr. Pamplin. Was it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, did not know that. And, and some of it w- was shot here at the old uh, Channel 12 studios I next can't, to OMSI. Really, just like the next time you got like uh, 30 seconds, really, is the pop culture uh, writer for the Oregonian, <laughs> you, you really owe it to yourself to check out Bible Man. Clearly, I do. It's yeah. so wonderful that actually several Halloweens in a row I have pondered going as Bible Man, but I never have because the suit seems a little bit beyond my uh, <laughs> beyond my costuming capabilities. It, but, it's uh, owned by Pamplin Entertainment. Well, it's, I'll be darned. You, you guys really are on top of it, aren't you? That's why we do a morning show. Finger on the pulse, Christy. <laughs>
It's uh, it's not just clown noises and belching sounds here. I mean, it's largely that, but occasionally with a side of Willie Ames as Bible Man. And hard-hitting reporting. Hey, I never did see this the Monsters versus Aliens thing, which I meant to because it's, you know, as somebody else said, there's Pixar and then there's kind of everything else. But, but it's DreamWorks, which is, you know, not necessarily, but DreamWorks is a little bit of a mixed bag, I think. Well, you know, they sort of have, have, you know, hung their hat on the sort of dual audience approach to animation where they, you know, it's like the Shrek formula. Let's get, you know, sort of cute little monsters and animals and talking creatures and stuff for the kids and then throw in sort of pop culture jokes, you know, at the upper level for the parents who are there with their, with their children. That's sort of their, their trademark. But you see, it's one of those, uh, you see, uh, if you go to the mall or if you go to any of like, the theaters, where it's the parents coming in with the kids, and it it really just is, it is the perfect representation of that marketing maxim that if you can target the right kind of kid, you will effectively triple your audience. Exactly. Because you know that the kids are all going to shriek at their parents, uh, and, to, you know, and so they're all like uh, sort of loaded into the Canyon Arrow and driving to the multiplex <laughs> to see the film. So. Well, I was at, uh, I happened to be at uh, Lloyd's Cinemas yesterday because I wanted to get around to seeing Duplicity before it seemed to have, you know, completely skated off the screens, because it's not doing quite as well. Is that the Julia Roberts thing? That's the Julia Roberts thing, and I think, you know, my theory is, I mean, it's a perfectly entertaining movie, my theory is the title is hurting it. I think most people don't know what Duplicity means, and if they had just called it, you know, fraud or sneaky double-crossing schemes or something like that, it might be doing better because I think people are put off by saying, I'd like to see do blip, 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 blip. <laughs> really, the only thing, I mean, look, let me just tell you this. I was at Lloyd's, uh, I was at the Lloyd Mall yesterday as well because I, because it's the mall closest to my home and plus it's just such a, it's such a rich, if occasionally um, smelly tapestry of the Portland experience that you've got to spend a fair amount of time there. <laughs> I mean, it does bear some relation to the word duplex, and you've got to figure that any number of the people who shop at Lloyd Center probably are familiar with that word. But when I look at duplicity, I think two things. One, that it's a wacky movie uh, about like a twin sister or something. You know, whether there's Julia Roberts, and then she's got an identical cousin uh, or something, and then, you know, wackiness sort of ensues. Yeah. Two, it makes me think of the Michael Keaton film Multiplicity. Yeah. Which came out well, like eight, ten years ago, which is where he clones himself. Or there's many, yeah. many versions of himself, or whatever. But yeah, so this would be like the really low rent sequel, threequel, fourquel to that one. Well, is Julie Roberts? Sarah and I were having this discussion during the break about whether Julie Roberts even counts as a movie star at this point. Discuss. Well, I think she does because I frankly don't think she's much of an actress. So I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, well, so really, all that she's got left for her is her fame, because uh, the talent that she displayed in Mystic Pizza has uh, vanished into the wind. Perhaps, yeah. Yes. yeah. I think Pretty Woman was maybe the, the high watermark for her, um, artistically speaking. Boy, you know, you want to talk about a movie that... When is the last time anybody here sat and watched Pretty Woman as, just like, as a film? Um, it does show up on cable like almost every other day, so I, I seem to see bits of it uh, really, really often, but I can't say I have sat down and watched it from start to finish for I, some years. i got to tell you, as bad as it was probably the first time around, I mean, I know that a lot of, and I know that it is in many ways, it's, you know, that a lot of women have a, a soft spot for that movie, just like there are guys who, you know, there are guys who will latch, like, guys will latch onto Kevin Smith films, for example, like oh, Clerks yeah. or something, which is a pretty terrible movie in a lot of ways, but... And you watch Pretty Woman, and boy, it's just just astoundingly bad at parts. Yeah, I mean, there are yeah. moments in that film that are just cringe-inducingly awful. Yeah. But you know, you do sort of realize why it was why it was a big hit. Um, and then the other thing was that the that the haunting, the the Connecticut haunting, or whatever you know, that. 
I mean, okay, so this, apparently this sort of snuck in under the radar and it did a lot better than people were expecting. Apparently its big audience was young women ages 17 to 24. So it really hit that sweet spot of young women who want to go see a really generic-looking PG-13 horror movie that's supposedly based on a, air quotes, true story. Here's the great thing about The Haunting in Connecticut. Here's what I know about this. The Haunting in Connecticut... Uh, which opened this weekend, is based on the book of the same name, and they are both based on a true incident investigated by, wait for it, the same people that investigated the Amityville uh, horror. Oh, my gosh. And so if you read the sort of blurb of the haunting in Connecticut, it is a house where something evil happened, and then, uh, you know, later on, some woman, some, like, sub-Laura Linney-type actress is there, and she's shopping for a house, and she can't believe her good fortune that the house is so much less expensive. I can't imagine why it's so cheap. I'll move in. And then the next thing you know, there's like a demon vomiting guts at her or something in the kitchen. That's, that's the thing. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sort of sitting here looking at a, a, you know, a pressed picture from The Haunting in Connecticut, and it's somebody who appears to be vomiting a possessed brown paper bag. <laughs> it's, I, I can't believe this marketing campaign just, just put put backsides and seats, but apparently it did. It doesn't really scream Wyden Kennedy uh, or anything. So, <laughs> no. I, but you got to figure that, uh, you know, the, the Amity, you know, because the couple that uh, were the basis for the original Amityville horror, they're dead, and so they're unable to really uh, to, to just squeeze any more blood out of that stone. Yeah. And so probably the, the guys who were doing the investigating figure, well, all right, this is the time. Let's just uh, let's just go dust off the playbook. And it's, it seems to be exactly the same story. It, so. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, yeah I was I was stunned at how well that did. But you know, just to get back to monsters versus aliens for a minute, I think the the key thing about that is that it made a lot of money because it's in 3D. And 3D is sort of going to be the, you know, the, the great hope to save movie going right now because they can charge extra for tickets. Well, because they got to figure out, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they got to figure out some sort of gimmick to get you to go sit down there because paying $12 to sit behind some jackass who's unwrapping his candies really loudly and then making dinner plans on his cell phone <laughs> is just, there's, it's really not the way to guarantee Rick Emerson uh, will attend anything at this point. Is it that same 3D that's like the Coraline, the, the real 3D yeah. or whatever? Yeah, it is, it is. And I thought, I mean, I actually... Coraline was the first thing I'd seen in 3D and oh, ever, I think. And I was really impressed by it. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. I only had a slight, tiny headache afterward from the 3D glasses. But I just, I think it's so weirdly ironic that, you know, like back in the 50s when 3D was, was first developed, it was this last ditch, you know, let's lure people away from, you know, the television and Bonanza on Sunday night to, you know, get them out to the movie theater. And back then it was like the cheesiest of the cheese stuff was being done in 3D. And now it's these multi-million dollar movies that are, you know, basically made in 3D to get people off the couch, away from the video games, back in the movie theater. I have to tell you, really, there was no sure indication, at least when I was sort of in my adolescence, that a movie was just absolute, uh, just irredeemable crap. Then when it was 3D, because oh, yeah. clearly what happened is like some guy from the studio would go and he'd be watching the dailies and they get like 20% into the filming of the, uh, of the movie and they would just have a discussion in a room somewhere where a guy would say, well, uh, look, let's all just be honest here. The movie is terrible. So <laughs> what we'll need are long sequences of a guy playing ping pong directly at the camera. And then they would just lay that, you know, or like a guy opening a can of, of snakes or something. <laughs> And then, and, you know, and then they would just stick the in 3D at the end of it, and then I would go see it because I was an idiot. So. It always makes me think of the old SCTV bit, you know, Dr. Tongue's Monster Chiller Horror Theater. Totally. 
<laughs> or, or, me, or me going to see Treasure of the Four Crowns in 1984, which is one of the worst movies you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it's like not even up there with King Solomon's Mines. It's just an unbelievably terrible Indiana Jones knockoff. But again, there's a sequence of a guy at one point crawling through a tunnel just so like a rat can scamper toward the camera. And then I immediately told my friends, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. So... And I think it still works because, I mean, I, you know, there I was at Lloyd Cineplex yesterday, and I'm getting some, you know, overpriced coffee, and uh, the, the young lady behind the counter is talking to a, a guy who's there to see Coraline, and, you know, she's saying, well, make, you know, make sure you see it in 3D because 3D is the best. Yeah. 3D is really the thing, and everybody was buzzing about the 3D. Yeah, one, suspects that, uh, one suspects that a Dane Cook 3D experience is, is imminent. Oh, dear. All right. Uh, Christy <laughs> Turnquist from the Oregonian. Thank you so much, Christy. Oh, thanks. Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer for the uh, the Oregonian, ladies Mm. and gentlemen. All right. I found out something else fascinating about Willie Ames. After he became Bible man for Pamplin, Ames was invited to come aboard full-time as a Pamplin vice president to create a new product as well. Willie Ames? Mm -hmm. Willie Ames' professional goal for Pamplin is to be an idea factory. I want to be the leading edge as far as family entertainment goes. Willie Ames? Yes. Willie Ames isn't a factory of anything but failure and shame. He says he wants to be on the leading edge for family entertainment. All right, well... An idea factory. Enjoy that dream, Willie Ames. Just just embrace it. Let it, uh, let it keep you warm at night. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Just ahead, Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on today's top five, the five worst number one songs in all of American history. And that'll be coming up. Five worst songs uh, that went to number one in all of American history. That is uh, that is on the way, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, one quick uh, note on the Oregonian here before we wrap that up. I'm looking at the cover of today's paper. This is Monday, March 30th, 2009. It is a guaranteed way to find. Uh, it is a guaranteed way to make sure that Americans read about something that involves safety. Just to ask. If your recliner is dangerous, I'm looking at the. It's right here on the front well, we page above the, the floating chair story. If is you your recliner trying to smother you? It just could your recliner be dangerous? And it's a huge picture of like a lazy boy recliner, with a big red warning across the front of it. So I guess really there's probably no other way to make Americans care I'm about safety. Safe. Seriously, but if you, but or really if if the thing that cradles your big fat American ass is uh is is going to be in any sort of a jeopardy, that, that could get somebody's attention. That really is awesome. the way to get the average American to buy a newspaper at this uh, at this juncture. All right, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So Obama tells the CEO of GM to take a hike. Rick Wagner is soon to be out of a job. Uh, but Michigan's governor says there may be more at this than appears. I know that Rick Wagner has worked for that company for 31 years, and he is a good man. He clearly is a <laughs> sacrificial lamb. By the way, whenever there's a woman on camera anywhere saying that somebody is, quote, a good man, it's never true. Mm-hmm. That's always a lie. Because it's always either that guy quitting GM or somebody who's being let on a handcuff after knocking out somebody's teeth. See, what GM needs to do is to just pick one thing and do it right. Like a cable TV channel, they all have one big show. All you need is one big car. That's every, right. Everyone could agree on. Not a whole bunch of different cars. Well, that that's what Lee Iacocca did with the uh, with Chrysler, right? The last time that we had all this uh, 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 insanity with the car company, they needed a bailout. That is when Chrysler made the K car. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. And the K car would sort of, you know, look at it now, and it seems sort of hideous. But at the time... It's a vanilla box. I mean, I... I don't know why everybody thought it was such an exceptionally great car, actually. Was it just 
Was it just that it was compared to all of the other uh, garbage that they'd been making? Was that the deal with the K car? I suppose it's very little memorable out of the 80s. I mean, if you look at the, but it was sort of a phenomenon uh, because it was one of the biggest selling cars I think we'd ever had in America. But you look at that thing now and you kind of, you do wonder what it is that possessed us all to. Car design is sort of interesting. When you look back at something from like 1970, like a Bonneville or something, or like 1978 that your grandparents drove and it's like a thousand feet long, it's just like a huge metal whale. And you kind of wonder, what was the sort of national delusion that we were all laboring under that caused us to think that that was something we ought to own? Doesn't make any sense. Well, surgeon successfully removed a six-inch fishing spear from the, a brain of the man who was struck while diving off the coast of Rio de Janeiro, Emerson de Olivia Abrubru, apparently fired the spear, which ricocheted off rocks and penetrated his own head so deeply that only the tip was showing. Local media initially uh, said that he was accidentally shot by a friend. The doctor uh, said it took five hours of high-risk surgery to remove the arrow from him. He's doing well, not suffering any uh, major lasting damage. The spear entered just below the left eye and missed the most critical area of the brain. So it's it wasn't like the spear was sort of laying on the ocean floor and he dove and landed on no, it. That's how. Ricocheted. Ah, uh, so he okay. So he fired the spear gun and it was sort of he couldn't see where it was going and it came came back on him sort of boomerang style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From Layton, Utah, comes word. The county commissioner may pull the plug in a pole dancing competition set to take place at the Davis Conference Center in May. Commissioner Brent Milburn says he has no doubt the activity is athletic, but it's the pole part that makes him feel a bit uneasy. I don't doubt that there's athleticism involved and uh, or taking anything away from the uh, physical strength that it takes to, to do that type of activity. Instructor Megan Barrow says it's not about sexual arousal, it's about strength. We are here for fitness. If you'll notice, there's not and to any hip movements, no touching yourself. It's, it takes a lot of guts to get up there, and it takes a lot of strength to do what they do. I don't, but is, I don't understand. Is this at a strip club? Or is it just like, where is this taking place? This is taking place at the Davis Conference Center in May. It's a pole dancing competition. Oh, I see. So it's not actually, okay, there's not actually strippers as necessarily. No, it's an athletic competition. But it's an athletic, so they are all competing at a thing that strippers do. This is, I mean, because I mean, that's that's yeah. the pole dancing thing. Okay, so is this kind of the, is this? It says note the nature of the following. Is this? Is there an advisory on these news clips, Tim, so they don't offend the delicate ears of the KUFO audience? Yeah. Um, you know, so we don't so we don't horrify the Nickelback listening uh, population of America with this. The, but this is this is then for those like sad suburban women that are learning pole dancing as a way to inject spice back into their uh, back into their failing relationships. Is mm -hmm. that because you see those they want all to the kick up their heels a bit? This is because you'll see those DVDs that they sell sometimes late at night, and they just sort of, they just sort of fill you with a kind of, just kind of a low-grade depression on behalf of the women who undoubtedly buy those, because you just know it's just some sort of like bulky housefrau in Beaverton who sees that and, and uh, I'm going to get me one of these, and, you know, and then they, you know, uh, and then they have to go get the pole to install so that uh, so that their husband will, uh, so that their husband will, you know, sort of take his eyes off the Xbox long enough to look at them. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Monday on The Rick Emerson Show. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And I just listen on There, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Tim Riley has your Geek Watch for Monday. Well, adults who play a lot of action video games may be improving their eyesight. 
They said people who used a video game training program saw a significant improvement in the ability to uh, see subtle differences in shades of gray. What the hell gray. was that? Sorry, my hand hit my microphone. All right. You know, that was earlier this morning. I slammed my... You know, I've been in radio since I was 14. I mean, I've actually been doing this for twenty for over two decades. And this morning I did this, hitting my earphones, uh, my headphones into the microphone. From the, I mean, you would think it's at a certain point just the sheer like the Darwinian action of doing it and then always having to pull my head back in pain would stop me from doing that, but it doesn't. Normally, improving contrast sensitivity means getting glasses or eye surgery, somehow changing the optics of the eye. But we found that in action games, it trains the brain to process the existing visual information more effectively, and the improvements last for months after the gameplay has stopped. Well, this is like that, that thing we would always tell our parents when we were kids that they would complain we were playing too many video games. You go, but, but mom, it improves my eye-hand coordination, which is completely, I mean, which might be true, but is totally useless. Uh, unless you're training to be uh, Bjorn Borg or something, there's really no need uh, to improve your eye-hand coordination. I mean, really, what is it? I mean, how much eye, can, eye hand coordination do you really have to do to, uh, right. you know, to play the pong, like back in <laughs> my pong. day? I was going a whole different way. I was going the work route. Oh. I was going to say, you know, to be uh, you know, to be squirting uh, sour cream out of a caulking gun into a taco shell somewhere. I mean, really, what what kind of skills does one really need for that? The answer is the answer is none at all. Um, so there's that, and then there's the eye thing, which is not unlike. The sort of uh, the tactile equivalent of that is when you see those kids who are just freakishly good at text messaging. I was at the airport a while back. And some kid across from me and he had a phone kind of like Sarah's, where it was like um, it was like an LG, where the it had like the long vertical or the horizontal QWERTY keyboard, and he was texting. I mean, God, it must have been like 150 words a minute. It was it was kind of unnerving actually, you, where you realize you are seeing some kind of evolution in action. Uh, eventually the kid is just going to have like 10 opposable thumbs. Uh, there's your uh, Geek Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Let's do uh, one more and then I'll get, the, I'll get this air check queued up for us here that we're going to listen to. So to the highest bidder will go this video that allegedly shows Vice President Joe Biden's daughter snorting cocaine at a party. They want $2 million worth, and New York Post said no. Now, Ashley Biden is 27 years old, who's partied in the past. Uh, the shooter has since dropped his price to $400,000 for the 43-minute film, but no takers so far. So this is, she's a... Um, what a jerk. The, the guy who shot yeah. the video? It's yeah. just like, hey, I'm going to secretly, you know, take somebody and then... Yeah, but I mean, but when, but when did this again... happen? Like, from when is this video, Tim? I mean, yeah, is it recent, or is it, it from... It doesn't say. Because you got to figure if you're Joe Biden... And look, I mean, he's, you know, he was... You know, senator for a long time. So you got to figure if you're Joe Biden's daughter, if you're going to be snorting cocaine, allegedly. It appears it's like that, the that, ShamWow guy picking up a hooker. Just do that in the privacy of your room. <laughs> it says she it appears to know that she's being filled. So, so you know, I'm, okay, well, if it no is in sympathy. fact her and if she is in fact snorting some kind of uh, uh, some sort of illicit substance, it seems like you ought to be aware that that's going to uh, that's yeah. going to turn up somewhere. Mm -hmm. Did you see where the ShamWow guy picked up the hooker, by the way? It says here. Uh, defendant and co-defendant, which is the ShamWow guy and the hooker, respectively, apparently met at Luigi's Nightclub, located on Collins Avenue, and then they went to his hotel room. This is his other big mistake. They didn't even go to her room. They went to they went to his room. While inside the room, defendant, who's the ShamWow guy, stated that he kissed the co-defendant, when all of a sudden the co-defendant bit his tongue and would not let go. ShamWow guy stated that he punched the co-defendant several times until the co-defendant released his tongue, uh, and then she sustained many injuries and was, quote, bleeding from the mouth area uh, when the officers arrived. And then it's got this other mugshot of her from the last time she was busted for uh, for hooking. So, Well, maybe he, he couldn't, 
you know, disclose his distaste for what was going on orally. So he he ended up pushing her. Oh, since he couldn't speak. Oh, so he, was verbally. Thin. You mean he couldn't? Ex- okay. You yes. mean he? Oh, oh, oh no, yeah. I, I chose the wrong word. I'm yeah. sorry. And you Tim mean, wasn't trying to work blue. No, I wasn't. I, no, no, no. Tim does. Tim is the cleanest of the clean. I think so. You mean that he was unable to verbally express Correct. his displeasure at what whatever meant. activity she might be performing, like a massage yeah. or. Perhaps if she was giving him a manicure, mm-hmm. uh, he was unable to linguistically express uh, his displeasure at the method by which she was um, taking care of his cuticle. Right. So he did the next best thing. Because he couldn't express his displeasure mm-hmm. orally. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what I meant. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley and the top five. We'll have the five worst number one songs in American history. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Oh, by the way, I teased this earlier, and I never I never really paid it off. So I said that we got the press release for one of the worst shows. That t- I, I mean, it hasn't even aired yet. You already know it's going to be bad. I'm so glad that the adolescent me didn't know this was coming. All aboard the crazy train. Ozzy, Sharon, Jack, and Kelly Osbourne are reuniting on the series premiere of Osbourne's Reloaded. That is launching tomorrow. That is Tuesday, March 31st on Fox. Yes, the Osborne family is back to turn another television convention upside down and inside out. Osborne's Reloaded is the new entertainment series unlike any other on television. It features audience interaction, rowdy comedy, and hilarious stunts. In the series, oh, this is so sad. I just think of me as a, you know, like a, a gangly, pasty 14-year-old just sitting there relentlessly listening to Black Sabbath records. If only I had known what the future held. It would have just, it would have been a whole different ballgame. In the series opener, the family challenges a blindfolded audience member to kiss a stranger. And an unsuspecting boyfriend must make a life-altering decision when his girlfriend demands that he marry her that evening. What is Ozzy doing while all this is happening, do you suppose? He just sort of is like slumped over in a chair. Meanwhile, Kelly and Ozzy... Uh, here's what he's doing. Meanwhile, Kelly and Ozzy find themselves... Osborne in the USA! Oh, no. Wow. No, no, no. When they go to work at a fast food drive-thru, which is the thing that we always sort of say is just like the catch-all morning show bit, where you always say, like, what if so-and-so was working a drive-thru? What would that sound like? Well, apparently it sounds like a thing that's good enough for Sharon Osbourne to take. Uh, and also the uh, pint-sized potty mouth versions of Sharon and Ozzy reminisce about their first date in Lil Osbourne's. <laughs> this doesn't even sound real. This sounds like a parody of a thing that they would do. Hey, kids, that's all tomorrow on the series premiere of The Osbournes Reloaded. That is again tomorrow. Set your TiVos now. Aaron Tuesday, March 31st on Fox. Wow. Oh, I guess there's audio available for this. I can't believe that I didn't download this this weekend. So that is, uh, that's tomorrow. That's Osbournes Reloaded. Wow, that's embarrassing. Tim Riley's working on the following stories on this Monday morning. A man has been charged with selling fans made of eagle feathers. What? A man has oh, been I thought jo- you meant like electric fans, but sort of like handheld fans? Yeah, fan yourself with eagle feathers. You're not allowed to do that. Where would you even get eagles? Uh, in a forest. Well, they if you climbed up You're a tree that's and, a, and, and went up to an unsuspecting eagle. eagles with your bare hands. If you were in a forest and went up a tree, <laughs> yes. wouldn't it be easier to get feathers from things that you don't have to stalk in a tree and that aren't federally protected? You'd have to wait longer, though. I Okay. I was going to wade like hip deep into this, and then I realized I don't even really know how you get feathers anyway. I mean, I know they're from birds, but I don't really know you were obtaining them, so I'm not, I'm not even going to worry about it. All right. Well, apparently he tried to sell these feathers to an undercover agent. But why would you be, like of all the things you could make 
a fan out of. Eagle feathers seem. Where would you get an eagle right now? If I gave you, if I told you, you had to get an eagle by the end of the day. You're like if your life depended on it. Sarah, go find an eagle. Where would you go? The zoo. <laughs> I don't think you can well, pick feathers off eagles at the zoo. To be to be fair, they might have one there, but I think they're in cages. I think they're behind bars. Well, you said and my life depended on it. Where people weren't looking. <laughs> but I mean, like, if my life depended on it, I think I could get an eagle from the zoo. But like, if this guy had to get probably many dozens of eagles, well, I would he imagine. Sells these, he sells these on the powwow circuit. Now, is he pl- is he plucking the eagles himself? On the powwow circuit? That's what he says. Is that like the NASCAR circuit? Mm-hmm. There's a powwow circuit, and he sells eagle feathers. To, to whom does he sell them? To uh, eagle feather in, aficionados, in, I guess. To it's eagle a, it's feather a fetish, I suppose. Uh, we've just we plunged just so deeply into the story that I, I, there are no landmarks left. charge two hundred fifty thousand dollars per offense. Okay. Like is it per offense is per feather? Per, per feather. I I think okay. Let's tease one more story here and then I'll play this air check. Uh, a new uh, business opens to stimulate the downtown economy, and the owner of the new Swingers Club promises it won't be a sea of nudity. Well, what is the point of going to a Swingers exactly. Club? Exactly. Is it a, is it is this like a is it a sea of of partially clothed sexual relations? I haven't been inside yet. It hasn't opened. It's, it's sort of an odd statement to make if you're advertising a place where he goes and gets their hump on. Uh, the, the fact that it's not going to be a sea of nudity. So is it going to be? So I'm just picturing like a lot of grinding and corduroy. Well, that could pole dancing. I I suppose (laughs) that pole dancing story is one of the saddest things I've ever heard, especially that it's in, you know, that it's in Utah uh, at a convention center. Don't you picture it being sort of like the banquet hall of a holiday inn or something? All right. So this is from our good friend Bridget, who works upstairs. This is uh, Bridget. The uh, she's the webmaster for all of the uh, well for KUFO and for uh, 970 AM. So if you go to KUFO.com and you see you know, kind of the podcasts are up and there's embedded videos and there's you know all of like the billion things that are up there that are refreshed and rotating and sort of very carefully constructed every single day. So Bridget does all of that stuff. Uh, she also creates uh, most, if not all, of the logos that are used for those sites as well. So and. She has massive abilities uh, at any number of things. But, of course, it doesn't really matter when you get into radio where your talents lie or what you're good at. The first job you're going to get stuck with is going to be something awful and embarrassing. That's the way it always works. Because whenever you go to work at a radio company, by definition, the job that is available is the job that everybody else works really hard to get out of. It is the job that nobody else wants. In this case, that radio job was in Spokane, and it was to be the, quote, butt-naked traffic girl. And so it's what every woman, you know, woman dreams of, uh, I would think, when she leaves university. And what every truck driver wants. Exactly, Tim. So this is from, I don't even know the name of the uh, the name of the radio station, but this is from uh, some rock station. How long ago was it? Uh, this had been like, I don't know, probably eight or nine years ago, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds very, I mean, it's hard to tell because in Spokane, everything's sort of underneath a bubble. where it, It's about, I don't know, I would say a good, I would say it's a good five or six years behind the rest of the country all the time. You know, in every regard, especially in terms of radio. So this is Bridget. Uh, she's introduced by a DJ here, and then she is on the phone. I don't even know where she is. I mean, I guess maybe she's in a helicopter, but she could be in a production room next door, just just lying for all I know. So without further ado, I give you uh, I give you an embarrassing air check from Bridget from upstairs. That sounds like you. Oh God, it's a two for Tuesday right out of the gate. I think you said it's the buzzard. Is that what he said? The buzzard, really? Buzzard. 105.7, the buzzard, Spokane's pure classic rock. I was the boss. Tuesday, oh. from Aerosmith there. Yeah. Chris Edwards, buddy, traffic girl, standing by with a check on traffic. And you know, I usually don't abuse my stick. This 100,000 watt stick we got here at the buzzard, and just go on. Uh, it's the buzzard. Oh, this is so embarrassing. 
for everyone involved. And by the way, he's doing that DJ thing of kind of speaking like this, but he's not even really announcing all the words. That's me. That's totally my computer because I'm I'm clicking into the uh, to the Windows that we Media Player. No, I want to be able to pause it here. But listen to how he's doing, uh, and it is a rock DJ thing. He's taking the edges of all the words, and they got to go together like this, and it's... Come on, Rick, and you know from experience. I do. No, in numerous air checks of me doing exactly the same thing. But it's like this low-grade grease man type thing, but with like a, without any actual comedy. All I keep hearing is, good morning, Quahog. Totally. 5.7, the Bossers, Bocans, pure classic rock on a two-for-Tuesday couple from Aerosmith there. Chris Edwards, Bunnick Traffic Girl, standing by the traffic, traffic. And you know, I usually don't abuse my stick. This 100,000 watt stick we got here at the buzzard, and just go on uh, saying hey to people. But I gotta say, congratulations to Tammy Joe and Mark on their beautiful new daughter, whom I just met a little while Say congratulations to Tammy Joe and Mark. That is, by the way, uh, Spokane in a nutshell right there. All ago. It was great, was it? <laughs> it was great. I was expecting it to be really ugly because it's very new. <laughs> but uh, she's adorable. Mom's doing great. Everybody loves Tammy Joe here. She works here. So everybody loves her. So it's only a matter of time before she got pregnant. So we're all happy wow. for her. I think it's great. And uh, Mark, the husband, like, stays in the delivery room. I'm sure Mark, the husband, really appreciates <laughs> these observations about his uh, wife's uh, pulpertude. While she's having the baby, which just creeps me out. I can't imagine doing that. So, way to go, Mark. Laugh at my jokes, Bridget. Is that Bridget? Laugh if you want to keep your job. I need to actually have a baby. That's yeah. cool, too. Yeah, that's a big Got one. Got 2% on the way for you for Billy Squires and GNR coming up, too. Check on traffic is brought to you by Spokane Kia. Why buy used? You can get a new Spokane Kia with a 10-year warranty and do it for less. At Spokane Kia, Liberty Lake, exit 296, three exits east of the Valley Mall. What you got for me? If there's no reports of any accidents right now, just watch up for delays on I-90 Westbound between Sullivan Road and Argon Road. We have some road construction. The Bob and Tom Show. And this is sort of like when um, when you would do the traffic on coin, and you could tell that it was you could tell it was all just being recited off a tape inside your head. That you weren't actually. Uh, you know, you weren't actually creating uh, traffic news at any point. It was all you just being... You had to say something to get in the sponsorship. <laughs> you, j- you just have to do something to fill that 10 seconds, Tim. Is that Billy Squire? Is that Everybody Wants You by Billy Squire? I think it is. Yeah. 105.7, the buzzard. It is a... Two- it is the buzzard. Yeah. Is it a... Why would you call a radio station... Isn't a buzzard... It's not even a vulture. A buzzard is different than a vulture, isn't it? It's a dirtier vulture. Is it some... I mean, is it a slang term for a vulture? Is it, in fact, oh, an entirely different, a different creature? Word. All right. Yeah. Tuesday, got sports and traffic on the way. Couple from GNR from the buzzard lines. From the buzzard lines. Call <laughs> the buzzard line, kids, and request a rock favorite, won't you? 5.7, the buzzards, folk hands, pure classic rock. Now it's called the peak. The Buzzards, Spokane's pure classic rock station, couple from GNR. It's Chris Edwards, but naked traffic girl. I kind of want to quit smoking, I think. You do? Oh, God. But naked traffic girl. And we should say, by the way, that. He keeps saying it over and over again. And Bridget really is one of the smartest people I know. Can I tell you, she's like, I respect her so much. She's like an intelligent, beautiful, like really nice girl. And really just unbelievably professional and competent and just. And just really just uh, just on her game in many, many thousands of ways, all of which make the fact that she had to be, quote, the butt naked. Because tra- let, let's not have any illusions about this. There's all kinds of people in radio who really do deserve to be the butt naked traffic girl or, you know, to be this guy. But with me and we were standing at the elevator to take the elevator up to the ninth floor. God, and the obligatory use of green onions by Booker T and the MGs. It really doesn't fit the format. And uh, all these old people kind of swarmed 
But it's like a rule, right? If you work in radio, that's the, the, you know that has to be the thing you use as the instrumental bet at some point. I don't know, like average age between uh, I don't know, late eighties to early one tens. They never explain at any point why she's the butt naked traffic girl or where she in fact even is. I mean, if you had, I mean, was the deal just so that like the audience? I wonder if she's here. Hold on, let me see if. The office isn't open. I don't. I don't know her direct extension. Thanks for calling CBS Radio Portland. You reached oh, our office. The, no. I thought it was Dave Zinn. Uh, it, that it, sounds like well, Dave it is Dave Zinn, but well, it's yeah, a but recording. I, I thought it was actually him. Um, you made a real see, lifelike recording. I'll see if I can find Bridget's extension because uh, they don't really. I guess is the deal just that they because you have a horny male audience that they just want to be able to use the phrase butt naked. And followed by a woman's voice because that's the way to uh, that's the way to listen to her. And instead of having your picture on the station website, it'll be one of those naked lady mud flaps. That's <laughs> totally <laughs> a semi. It'll be a naked lady mud, it's but it'll yeah. but like in a helicopter, uh, looking down on uh, looking down on on like the uh, you know I ninety or something. Wow. All right, there you go. So there, but for the grace of, I guess luck and not living in Spokane, uh, go all of us. Straight ahead, uh, Tim Riley with more news. It will do today's top five, the five worst number one songs in American history. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come, more news with Tim Riley. Uh, Smells like the 90s coming up at 9 with Buzz so forth. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and Don Taylor from Cinematical. This, ladies and gentlemen, is your top five, five for Monday. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley with today's top five. And while the charts may change from year to year, some things are consistent, like the fact that certain songs reach the top without having a single shred of quality to them. As evidence, we offer these the top five worst songs to ever reach number one in America. These are, uh, this is put together sort of a response to Aaron Durant's list uh, from Friday, which I think it had some fair points, but was also, I mean, not like Ebony and Ivory is a great song, but I don't know that Ebony and Ivory is the worst song. I mean, really, of the many, many years, I mean, I think since, what, 1955, they've been doing this. So in 54 years, I mean, really, it was all I could do, by the way, not to put Sheb Woolley's Purple People Eater on here, uh, which is uh, just an astoundingly bad composition. And You know that song was number one for seven weeks? I mean, the idea that somehow music was better way back when, that's... uh, that's just that's just not true. That's just false. So, anyways, this is my attempt to over the last fifty odd years of music uh, to boil it down to the uh, five worst songs ever to go to number one. Tim, honorable mention goes to Manfred Mann's Earth Band, "Blinded by the Light." I will admit, by the way, this is the reason it's honorable mention. This is on here because I loathe this song personally. Yeah, I'm saying this isn't that bad of a song. It's a terrible song. It's a terrible song in almost every way, but also I personally had to play this about every three hours for years and years and years in rock radio. And there's no reason to pronounce deuce like douche. That's what everybody thought. Yeah, because because he sings the word like it's douche. And this is a live version, so it's even less exaggerated and obvious here. And this song goes on and on. It's like eight and a half minutes long. 
I mean, clearly they must they must have seen the word deuce before, like perhaps while playing a hand of five-card stud. There is no reason to pronounce it uh, as though it were uh, a feminine product. And it has that weird um, it has that weird keyboard section where they're playing chopsticks for about 55 seconds. The 70s were bad in every way. <laughs> wow. Listen to that. Listen to how 70s that is. Sounds like a Head East record. hard to imagine this is a Springsteen song. Tim Riley, what is number five? Number five is UB40 with Red Red Wine. Oh, I hate this song so much. Everyone does. I don't know anyone who loves this song who isn't a drunken high school uh, kid. That's it. That's who loves this song. Is people who I would say between the ages of 17 and 21, maybe. I think that when you reach the age where you can legally drink wine, that's when this song stops being amusing. And it manages to ruin several... Here's the thing a song. The thing about the song is it's almost impressive because it manages to destroy a whole bunch of things simultaneously. A good Neil Diamond song, because the original Neil Diamond version of this it sounds nothing at all like this. It's a totally different recording. It also manages to sully an entire genre of music, which is uh, reggae, by dint of being awful. It makes everybody yawn. I mean, the song makes me uh, angry, actually. When this comes on the radio, it sort of fills me with a white-hot rage. I just hate UB40 in general. What's the other famous song? Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Oh, God. That was from Sliver, wasn't it? I don't know. It's from hell. I think it was. It's from a place on the far side of quality. And it's got the video. It's like that black and white video where the guy's got that... He's a strange Tom York-looking bastard in this. And it's like the whole video is black and white except for the cups of red, red wine, which are red. It is nothing good about it. It's totally irredeemable. It's bereft of any kind of quality. Tim, what's next? Number four, Ray Stevens, The Streak. He likes to show off his physique. I don't think I know this one. You really ought to thank your uh, thank your God of choice for that. This is a song about a man running around naked and showing everyone his willy. This song was number one for three weeks. It is a novelty recording uh, during, what is it, what year would this have been, Tim? 70s. 73, maybe? 74? It was at the height of the streaking craze where people would, uh, you know, they would have a trench coat on, but nothing underneath. And then they would run in public. And then Ray Stevens was this sort of hillbilly nitwit who put together a whole series of novelty songs that my dad had on an 8-track that just looped endlessly in our house, by the way. But there was a time when you could not get away from this song on pop radio, on country radio. I mean, it was everywhere. So it's this like, it's this like hillbilly gibberish spoken word. I mean, that is like interspersed with. It, it was before Larry the Cable died. I think it's before comedy was sort of quantified as a as an art form. Right, this is sort of like during the the Paleolithic area uh, era, era era of comedy. Ray Stevens, ladies and gentlemen. These are the five worst songs ever to make number one in America. Number three, Jimmy Gilman with Sugar Shack. Boy, you want to talk about... Talk about bad. bad. There's a 
crazy little shack on the track. This is really why the Beatles had to happen. Everybody calls it the sugar shack. This song is only a minute and 52 seconds long, but it seems like it's about 14 minutes in length. Espresso coffee tastes mighty good. That's not the reason why I've got to get back up to the and you can very easily picture the performance in your head. This is that thing where he's on like some sort of hullabaloo type show. And he's got the backup dancers behind him, no band visible anywhere, and he's just kind of snapping his fingers and smiling a lot. A black leotards and her feet are bare. This is like if you find My Bonnie by Tony Sheridan to be a little too uh, a little too rockin' for your taste. Yes, I just noticed for the first time that this sounds exactly like New Kids on the Block cover girl. I could they see copied that. the exact same song. Now that I mean, I was an oldies DJ. This seemed to come up with alarming frequency. It must have tested really well. These are the five worst songs ever to make number one in America. Tim? Number two, Puff Daddy and Maze. Can't nobody hold me down. Let's hear question? it for how badly the 90s sucked, shall we? First of all... I liked this song. This is... I mean... How old would you have been when this came out? This is what, like 93, 94? Yeah, okay. Oh, wait, so, no, 90, no, this was like 96. Was it mid-90s? Yeah. Because this is, this is off the No Way Out record. And this is the same record that had I'll Be Missing You, I think. This oh, is the my same God, album. I loved that song so much. That's the only um, rap single I ever purchased. This reminds me of um, driving around and like going to uh, like high school house parties uh, between my junior and senior. What would you have been wearing at around this time? What were the fashions that you might have been uh, sporting while listening to the song? That was Sarah? when I was kind of in my ska stage. Here's wearing a lot of platforms and like flat pants. The thing about this song is just uh, we were talking about how uh, Red Red Wine manages to, to ruin about seven different things simultaneously, which is almost impressive in some sort of perverse way. So it is with this song, because a. They're sampling two different songs, destroying both of them in the popular memory. One is Grandmaster Flash's uh, The Message, which is widely considered one of the most important songs in all of hip-hop. That's that little pop 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 synth line. Mm-hmm. So they're doing that, and then they're sampling What's-His-Name's uh, song for the don't, you know, the uh, uh, I got to keep a moving, you know, that, that part that mm-hmm. can nobody hold me down, that part. And it's got the worst producer in all of hip-hop, which is Puffy Combs, matched verbally by the worst rapper who has ever lived, who is Mace. And I remember that Mace, he doesn't really open his mouth all No, it, no, he's tuneless and ha- I mean, it's like his jaw has been wired shut a whole lot, or, or or maybe he just like he lost some sort of a bet, and he had to have his like entire career unfold without ever opening his mouth. So I remember he did this song, and then he did the Harlem World record, and then retired only to have a huge comeback that he was under the impression people wanted. Okay. Song went to number one here in America, where people love it. All right. Tim Riley, what might number one be? Whitney Houston, I will always love you. I loved this song, too. Should stay. I would only be in. What is there to say about this song? 
You see a Romy the whole way in a rehab singing this to herself. <laughs> singing it to a crack vial. This song was a Catholic high school or Catholic middle school slow dance song. I'll think of you every step of the way. This song was just so instantly infamous that there's almost no point in discussing it except to say that everybody. You don't even have to hear the actual chorus. You don't even have to hear the wailing part. All you need to hear is that boom drum beat right before the you know that when the drum kicks right at the end before she just opens her mouth like a like oh, a fire engine. In the snow. God, here's the one good thing I'll say about this is that it made Dolly Parton a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Dolly Parton. I mean, she must have just cleared millions on this because it was just. I think at the time this was actually the longest running number one in American history. Uh, and Dolly Parton, of course, wrote the song and you know did a fantastic version of this, which is really the, the version that you want to know. Um, but that's the one thing is I think Dolly Parton said she actually built a whole separate section of Dollywood just based on the proceeds from this song. But this song did that it did that neat trick of going from you've never heard it before to you hated it and it was a punchline like within about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. See also uh, the Macarena. Which there was about like an hour and a half where you thought it was maybe a good song, and then you know by the end of the following Tuesday you just loathed it with everything in you. <sighs> she has to go. <laughs> yes, let's make this stuff. Whitney gotta go. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. from the greatest city on earth. It's great to be back in Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up at 9, it is the uh, is uh, Buzz with Smells Like the 90s. Tomorrow, we'll be joined by Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, as well as Don Taylor from Cinematical. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Tim Riley at the news desk. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. A man caught performing a sex act with a hose of a car wash vacuum cleaner has been sentenced to 90 days in prison. Jason Leroy Savage must also submit to drug testing. The 29-year-old from Michigan was sentenced at Saginaw County Circuit Court after pleading no contest to indecent exposure. Police say Savage was arrested after a resident called officers to report suspicious activity at a car wash about 90 miles northwest of Detroit. The judge, Fred L. Bouchard, scolded Savage in court... Jason Leroy! ...for making Saginaw a national laughingstock with his widely reported sexual adventure. You done quit them shenanigans with a garden hose right now! I believe you owe the community an apology for what you've done. But it wasn't a garden hose, it was a vacuum hose? Vacuum hose, yeah. At a car wash. Savage says since his arrest became public... Uh, he's been afraid to leave his house and unable to find his job. It's been horrible, he told the Saginaw News. I've been keeping my nose clean and staying out of trouble, he added, making an unwise reference to keeping parts of his body clean. Say, keeping his nose clean seems to be the uh, the least of his issues right now. Maybe he's having trouble leaving his home because he actually found a vacuum cleaner in one of his closets. Mm-hmm. Does it say whether, I mean, was he washing his car and then while he was there, he was sort of doing that thing with the, you know, the, the, well, that thing with the floor mats of like, Picking up like old coins and, and bits of grass or something, and then thought, wait a minute, uh, maybe I could have me some amusements and enjoyments with this. That could be. It doesn't really it doesn't clarify delve it. into it, no. But he admitted to performing a sexual act with a vacuum cleaner at the car wash. A relative told him, quote, you're a complete jerk. <laughs> well, who can disagree? Authorities say a man tossed a Molotov cocktail at his neighbor's trailer 
But the wind shifted, and instead, he set his own two cars and a pickup truck on fire at his trailer park. Nana. 51-year-old got in a fight with a neighbor, so like anyone in the trailer park would, he made a gasoline bomb and threw it at him. They believe alcohol was involved here somewhere. Well done. Time for Clergy Watch. Here's your Clergy Watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Catholic priest have been sentenced to prison in a case involving the misappropriation of more than $8 million from church money. A judge called it Greed Unmasked. Uh, first, we have John Skian, who's uh, 81. He was sentenced to 14 months in prison, seven years probation after pleading guilty to a charge of grand theft over $100,000. Then the second fellow is Francis Goonan, another priest sentenced to four years in prison after taking the case to trial. Apparently, uh, the priests were charged in September 2006. They channeled money away from collection plates into secret slush funds, using it uh, for church projects and partly for vacations, property, and gambling trips to Vegas and the Bahamas. Investigators said the father Skihan, a priest for more than 50 years, heavily invested in rare coins, owned a cottage in a pub in Ireland, a $450,000 penthouse condominium in Florida, and another apartment in Delray Beach. You know, I think about that a lot, actually, because when I was a kid, I, you know, we, we were Catholic, and so uh, my dad would do that thing of being one of the guys that brought in the collection or whatever every so often. And then after church, you go back into the, well, not the tabernacle, was that the, the sacristy or whatever. There's some room in the back where you just dump all the money out of the table and you're just counting it. And a lot of times it's checks, but a lot of times it's cash. And even as a kid, I remember thinking, you know, there's really no way to track any of this. And you always wondered if, like, maybe 5 or 6% of that just managed to find its way home in somebody's pocket. Mm-hmm. Because there's no... You know, there's, there's no real way to sort of, uh, you know, to sort of keep track of any of that stuff or to quantify where it's all going to. I, I, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, frankly. And that is your Clergy Watch. There's your Clergy Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Because I got to have We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Join us tomorrow, when our guest will include Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. We'll also do the top five artists preferred by the bitchy girlfriend of your best friend. That's tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show. So is it Little Osborne's or Lil? I believe it's actually not Lil as in L-I-L apostrophe. Looking at it now. Apostrophe I-L-L. It's the, no, it's it's the littlest Osborne's, which is sort of like the... um, what was it like? There wasn't like the littlest something or other. Isn't there a fairy tale that's a little, not the Little Mermaid, but there's the littlest something or other, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like one of those like grim fairy tales from somewhere. But this is the little, and I thought it was a cartoon, but it's actually live action. Wow, I'm looking at this now. So it's little tiny miniature versions of Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon Osbourne that I'm guessing are about eight years old. Wow, I might have to uh, watch this actually. This is going to be like that, uh, it's going to be like that Rosie O'Donnell variety show that aired about six months ago. It was apparently just off the charts terrible. Oh, and I missed that too. I wanted Everybody to missed that. Yeah, I only got to see <laughs> snippets of it. Paddock, I think, watched the whole thing because he was sending me text messages like, OMG, uh, Rosie O'Donnell special is worst thing ever. So I only got to see little like uh, chunks of it that were online. So I'll have to, uh, I think I might actually have to take this entire Osborne's Reloaded thing tomorrow, which undoubtedly was the reason that Sharon Osborne sent this to everybody anyway. <laughs> Tim Riley, what were today's biggest stories? 
2000 lineup. The Lloyd Center to be extras in a brand new movie. Uh, another role model is disgraced. The ShamWow guy squanders his infomercial fame on a hooker who bites his tongue. And Obama gives GM CEO the boot. Those are our top stories. Excellent. Awesome. And we finally have this. Uh, Rick, I was watching Goodfellas on Channel 5 last night. And he says, parenthetically, and next to Casino, is there any better movie to watch on broadcast TV than Goodfellas? He said, an ad for a vegetable peeler came on. It wasn't the ShamWow guy, but it might as well have been. And I was transfixed. If only by the question, how long will it be until this guy beats the crap out of a hooker as well? Uh, so now there is a void into which all other pitchmen uh, will step. Yeah, because you got to figure that you have to figure his sham wowing and slap chopping days are uh, are probably over. He will probably not be offered anything else. The hooker is at least going to get like a porn film deal out of it. He's going to get a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of nothing. Also, to the answer, why was the K car such a big deal? Apparently, the K car was the first mass produced front wheel drive. Which I think you were making the point during the break that it took them 70 years to figure that out. Yeah. It really seems like that's an innovation that should have come earlier in the 20th century, but what do I know? All right. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Dick Giuliano as well as uh, Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today, plus Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. The Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, is uh, Dave Zinn. Webmistress is... The fully clothed Bridget from upstairs <laughs> and uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with me Reynolds, executive producer Christopher J. Haddock. Smells like the 90s is next with Buzz right here on Rock 101 KUFO. I'm Rick Everson. Thanks for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow and bye now.